Hi. Hi. My name is Xavier. I'm Allison, and this is Housewives Theory. Welcome back. Another episode, another city of housewives. Allie, we are in Beverly Hills. An embarrassment of riches. It really feels like it's all led to this. It has. <laughs> A city we didn't know we needed. Why would we get another city in California? Another city in Southern California. You and Andy Cohen have that same thought, and thank God, both wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, or those of you who are returning, uh, we love you all. And just a reminder that this is a fun, safe space, geek out podcast where we talk about all things housewives, the weird little niche things, the big things everybody remembers, the glory days, the bad days, all of it. And the way we want you to think of this podcast is, you know, you're in line at, let's say, Sizzler. It's M- a buffet, honey. You're like, am I going to get food poisoning? I don't know, but I'm chasing a high. And you're standing there, you just moved on from the hot bar, you have a bunch of muffins in your purse, and you're like, I need to get a salad. So you walk over to the salad station, you're in line with this one woman, someone is piling on their plate, and you're like, oh my god, just be done. And you make eye contact with her, and you said, he tossed your salad! He tossed your salad! He tossed your salad! To which I would look you dead in the eye, say not a word, leave, go to the table with my (laughs) girlfriend, and say... See her over there? She's so pernicious. (laughs) Oh, But uh, we're your housewives friends, and we just want you to have fun. So (laughs) thanks for tuning in. I can't take it. For us, Real Housewives is not a guilty pleasure, but it is the, honestly, the ultimate comfort watch. Let's be real. Allison and I are both television writers in Los Angeles. So for us, when we talk about Real Housewives, we talk about these ladies as if they are characters. We talk about the arcs. We talk about the POVs. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. And we do it with so much love. We love to hate. We hate to love. Sometimes we hate to hate. Who's to say, depending on the day? (laughs) But at the end of the day, Allie and I are some of Real Housewives' biggest fans. Today's episode is, as we already said, on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Season 1. Monumental. This season aired from October 14th, 2010 to February 15th. 2011. Listen, I love Beverly Hills. I love it so much. And going back and watching season one, it felt like coming home again. It's your favorite. It is my favorite. And it's it's so funny because Beverly Hills isn't even always the best. Like it can be, you know, one of the worst seasons, <clears throat> season eight. Um, <laughs> But I still will binge it and binge it happily because it's just like, it's my old faithful. It's my tried and true. I was so excited to start Beverly Hills when you and I first started talking about Housewives because I had not watched it yet. And I'm like, I don't want to. I've, you know, had to work in Beverly Hills before and I hated it. And you were like, shut up and watch it. Some of my favorite women in all the franchise are on that show. And for that reason, I had to watch it. And you were uh, correct. I loved it. The thing with Beverly Hills, and you touched on this earlier, of like, why do we need a Beverly Hills when an Orange County exists? Like, Beverly Hills is arguably just right up the road an hour, you know? But the thing is, is that these ladies are so rich. In the words words of Lisa Renna, she's rich, honey. She's rich. (laughs) They're so stinking wealthy. And it just felt like... A different world. It's stupid money. It's stupid money. It's like why you watch Housewives. You want to mentally escape your bills and watch Kyle Richards be like, should I buy that bag? (laughs) Or Lisa Vanderpump get a custom pair of Louboutins that are pink and signed by Christian Louboutin. It's, you want that. That's what you want. It's, of all the cities, it's the ultimate escapism. 
Agreed. ultimate, Agreed. you know, and it and it delivers. It delivers. And I, I, they don't do this as much, but I was eating up anytime anyone bought anything and they put that little price tag. I was like, where did this go? They Same. still do it sometimes, but they were really doing this. They were like, we want you to know that this was expensive. Yes. They did it in Jersey a couple times. Yeah, they do. They definitely do it in other cities. Like they've yeah. done it in OC, but in Beverly Hills, when you see those price tags, it's just like, wow. It's not even real. Mind blowing. Should we get into tagline? Let's do it. Taylor, it may look like I have it all, but I want more. Lisa, in Beverly Hills, it's who you know and I know everyone. Adrian, money is what I have, not who I am. Kim, I was a child star, but now my most important role is being a mother. Kyle, in a town full of phonies, I'm not afraid to be me. Camille, it's time for me to come out of my husband's shadow and shine. It should be known that... When Allie was typing, sorry, I'm putting you on blast because it's care. so good. When Allie was typing Camille's tagline, she actually typed, it's time for me to come out of my husband's shadow and sin. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, I would have taken the note. I would have. That would have gotten me more excited for Camille if it was come out of my husband's shadow and sin. It would have been so great. So great. The typo knew what it was doing. Oh my God. Do you have a favorite tagline? Um, Lisa Vanderpump's. It feels weird to just say Lisa. So I have to say Lisa Vanderpump. I or love LVP. Le- or LVP. Yes. LVP's. Loved it. I just feel like she does know everyone. I feel like it's not really braggy like the others, but to say I know everyone, it's just wealth. It's wealth to me. I loved it. Hers was also my favorite. It's oh, just, I wasn't expecting that. You know, it's just who did you think was going to be my favorite? Camille. No. Um, it was- <laughs> trying to act like that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Not this season. Um, no, Lisa's just says it all. And it's great. And I think it really sets it up and sets the tone. And I think it's the best tagline this season. Great. God, you agreed with me. <laughs> Are you finished? <laughs> oh, no, no. Of course I agreed with you on the rare occasion. You're correct. And, you know, I'm just not you spitting out your water. And it's worth noting that Camille and Kyle are the center diamonds. Well earned. Well earned. And correct. And Beverly Hills is a franchise that puts a lot of credence, I feel, into who is center diamond and the order of the taglines. Like first and last are always the heavy hitters. Why do you think Beverly Hills is different from the other seasons? I don't know, but they really leaned into it. Maybe it's playing on the Hollywood of it. That's a a good theory. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So Beverly Hills season one. I think this is such a great fresh, I mean, arguably, I feel like any Housewife fan will tell you this season is one of, if not the, it's actually, it's the best freshman season of any Housewife show. You think it's better than Potomac? Their first season? A hundred percent. Oh, okay. Yeah, easily. I love Potomac. Potomac is right up there with Beverly Hills. I know you do. In terms of freshman season, it's for sure. Because the thing with Potomac is it was so pigeonholed into this notion of, etiquette and they really hit it hard and it was good at times but like it didn't quite feel like a housewife show i think potomac is one that benefited from cooking a little bit Mm. until it was perfected and was perfection and beverly hills came out the gate running at a full sprint and they did not stop for actual years 
That's fair. Um, I don't think it's the best one, but I will say that they hit that sweet spot of there were so many different types of housewives that came before them, and there was enough time for them to see what works with housewives and what doesn't work, and they really were in like this great spot of we know exactly what to do to get the viewers and have these women shine and the connections and the drama, and I just feel like they really were, season one really was an amalgamation of all the best parts of all the other seasons. I don't know that it was the, my favorite or like the number one. What's your number one? I don't know. I, I just don't think it's Beverly Is Hills. Is it Potomac? That's it might be Potomac. Out. I also loved New York season one. But that might be because Potomac and New York. <laughs> For me, and this it is comes co- out, and this is going to trigger you. I think the only one that comes close to a Beverly Hills season one is a Salt Lake season one. Oh, okay, yeah. Salt I Lake jumped out of the gate with character and just in a way that felt akin to Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's still hands down Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, you. We don't have to get into Salt Lake. I don't need to ostracize <laughs> half our audience right now. But I don't feel that same way. Uh, in the same way that Burger King will never be McDonald's, but um, it's fine. <laughs> Fast food that. girly oh. stuff. <laughs> Fast food yeah, girly well. unite. There were a couple of main storylines this Ooh, season. Oh, the game, honey. Oh, the game, they honey. They say a person either has what it takes to play or they don't. <laughs> and these girls, well, My... most of them had what it took. <laughs> we had uh, Camille versus Kyle. We had Kyle and Kim going at it. And then we also had Camille and her failing marriage. And there was also Taylor and her marriage and her just like trying basically to save her marriage the whole season. Yeah, 100%. Let's let's talk about the ladies. Let's talk about the ladies. Who do you want to start with? Let's start with Miss LVP. Ah, oh, yes, Lisa. Okay, so it's so funny because I okay, a I loved Lisa this season. Mm-hmm. She was incredible. She was to me just like the comedic relief. She was pretty sound in most of like when she gave commentary on the other women. I found her to kind of be a bit of a voice of reason, but like with a cheeky sense of humor, mm-hmm. and that was so needed because there was a lot of like. Beverly Hills is so great, but what I will say is it's often so great because it's like this uber wealth juxtaposed with this like dark underlayer. Very dark. And this season we had a lot of that. Like we had a lot of these ladies going through very real things and LVP was kind of someone who elevated it and made it feel lighter because of her humor. Lisa Vanderpump reminds me of Bethany Frankel in that in modern day, today, we think about all of the things that has happened with them throughout the years, throughout over a decade that we've known them. So I forget why I loved her because of all this other crap that has happened since season one, Beverly Hills. I was like falling in love with her all over again. Like I was got that same warm feeling I got when I first watched it because she is one of my favorite top five. And I had forgotten because of so many things that have happened. And she is a dream, dream confessional queen. I love her so much. I love her looks. I love her relationship with her kids and her husband. I love the wealth that she brings to the show. And like you said, she really does have this sound mind and like this heart that you can tell no matter how, you know, sassy she gets or takes jabs, like she genuinely loves the women or she wants the best for them. That was the thing too, is the heart. And I feel like that's what some people, you know, Real Housewives back in 2010 and before had this magic that 
you know, these ladies didn't quite understand what stardom was, even though, like, some people on this cast had been actresses, so obviously they did. But, like, in terms of the Real Housewives game, you know, these days when you get something like Assault Lake, which a lot of people say is a parody of a housewife show, and it's so true when you look at it through that lens, it's like they know what they're getting into, so mm -hmm. it's harder to find people who don't know the playbook already. Yeah. But in this season, the thing with Lisa is that she was so funny and she could have just given us that and it's she's still been a great housewife for season one. But it's the moments that she lets us in. Like there were moments where I teared up with her this season yeah. where I was just like, oh, she's showing us every side of her and that is what makes a top five housewife. Agree. And she has the wit. She has the heart. She really has it all. And she was like, the mama bear of the season. A lot of people call Adrian Maloof, who we'll get to, uh, the voice of reason. I sort of think it's actually Lisa Vanderpump because she will put herself out there, you know? Uh, and also I love her sense of humor with uh, one of the unspoken housewives this season, Mr. Cedric. Should we oh, talk about Cedric? Cedric. <laughs> I forgot. I completely... How could you forget? I blacked out. I forgot. Fair like enough. I forgot about Frankie with... Um, Gina in Orange County, I absolutely blacked out Cedric because I just felt like it was this weird trope in early Housewives where it's like we have to have this caricature of a gay best friend or like a gay husband. And he was a cartoon villain. Cedric really messed up, honestly. He did. If he had just held on for two more years, he would have been on he would have been on Vanderpump Rules. Oh. He could be a star right now. Instead, you forgot he existed. You literally forget he existed because he really was just selfish and Petty. I mean, Cedric knows Lisa from her days in the UK. They've known each other for years. Yeah, didn't she say like 15 years? Yeah, I'm like, how a old long are you? Time. Oh my God. There was like a scene where they're in the gym working out together and Lisa compliments Cedric and he's like, give me more compliments. I like them. And I was just like looking at his armpit muscles and I was like, how old are you? Not the armpit muscles. No, he just looked like such a young man, but also like ageless. And I was like, he's just one of those like, I hate to say the word, but grifters, where you're like, he's just so beautiful and so charming. I can't imagine how many rich women he's found in his life, like Lisa, to attach himself to for a while to like get ahead in life. I mean, she said he was the beautiful face at the door. No, I mean, she did. Yeah, like she's that's right. And I, you know, I can see that. Like their dynamic was just interesting, but it did provide a lot of comedy. I feel yes, like throughout the agreed. season. Like, of course, it doesn't end well, but I was cracking up like when they were at Muhammad's party and Cedric was in the Jump Turkish scare. bath and <laughs> in his speedo. And Lisa's like, I was very disappointed to see that under all that dynamite, there's like a two inch fuse. And I'm like, Lisa. <laughs> but I also love that Lisa had someone like that because you know if she said that to I don't know, another housewife's husband or a friend or whatever, that would have gotten blown so out of proportion. And that's why I do love kind of having that UK humor in this show yeah. because people can take themselves so seriously and she truly did not. And I agree with you. I love that moment with Cedric. Um, we did get a few of them, but then pretty quickly in the season, things started turning because Cedric, who has been labeled even on his like name banner, Lisa's permanent house guest, <laughs> he refuses to leave. And you can tell that he is getting in between her relationship with her husband, the beloved Ken. And Ken wants Cedric to leave because his wife is way too invested in him. He's a leech on them. He didn't say that exactly, but he meant that. And Cedric is also just not pulling his weight. Like, he doesn't pick up after himself. He's not really working very hard according to them. And he just doesn't seem to be making any plans to, like, move on in life. He'd been there for over a year or something, maybe even a year and a half. I can't remember exactly. And so it all ends toward the season finale of 
of the timeline of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season one, where Lisa has told him he has to go. And Ken basically has to watch him pack his things and whatever else so that he can make sure he actually physically leaves their home because he refuses to leave. And he starts shouting at Ken. He hates Lisa. He hates him. He hates their effing kids. He threatens to release all these stories to the press. And it just was a horrible ending. And it's everything that people had been telling Lisa for years. He is using you. And Lisa just didn't want to see it. It was really sad for me to to watch it because Lisa's core, well, one of her core personality traits, I feel like, is loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a big thing for her. We will see it season and season again. And I feel like we saw her protecting Cedric in a lot of ways and trying to show up for him. And, of course, we don't know what was happening behind the scenes. But from what we saw, like, she was really great to him and, like, they paid for, like, his visas and, like, they really helped take care of him because they cared about him. And even Ken, like, you could see that of Ken being like, this isn't, you know, you can still come on weekends and for Sunday dinners, like, you're a part of the family. So to know it all went south and I know that had to have hurt Lisa because she prides herself and surrounds herself by people who are loyal people, Mm -hmm. which I totally understand. It's one of the things that I... I appreciate about her. So it was sad to see it all go south, but I do appreciate the giggles they gave us throughout the season. Agreed completely. One of my favorite Lisa and Cedric moments is when they go to the DMV together (laughs) because they're getting their U.S. driver's license. Um, Lisa passes. Cedric does not. Uh, But they're going to this DMV, which is probably just in like Hollywood. And Lisa's like, so we showed up where the DMV was. It was in some godforsaken place. I don't know. But I was kind of fearing for my life. And I just like, that's the type of stuff that just... Makes her, I mean, it's so out of pocket, but it's also just the way she says it is so funny. Like, she means it. She means it. And again, we're it's probably on Hollywood Boulevard. Like, take a breath. <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> LA people, you have been to this DMV. And it was not scary. She's just dramatic. She's too much. I also loved her relationship with her kids, mm. Max and Pandora. I feel like that's where we get to see the heart of her. Yeah. I mean, we see it a little bit with Cedric and how she cares for him. But I feel like she really shines when it comes to Max and Pandora. Agree. So Pandora is her 20-something daughter, 25-year-old daughter. And she looks just like Ken. It freaks me out. And you can tell that they're very close. And Pandora, her you know, small storyline was, will she get engaged to her long-term boyfriend or not? And... Ken doesn't really want them to get engaged. Lisa desperately wants them to get engaged. And, you know, it's all in good fun. And she just loves them so much. And then there's sweet Max. Yes. And I love seeing her dynamic with both Pandora and Max. You know, Pandora is like her child that she had biologically with Ken. And Max is someone that they adopted. And just to see... Lisa talk about that experience and how her and she and Ken wanted to adopt many children, but then life kind of got in the way, but they're happy to have Pandora and Max. And when we come into the season, she has sent Max to Idaho for his senior year. He was getting into a little bit of trouble, I mm-hmm. think, and it was just something that was best for him. And Lisa, you know, a very British sense of humor, but also like a very British sense of self and that she described it this way and I think it describes it best when she's like and when I send him away I'm like a duck I'm calm on the top but I paddle like mad underneath she was like and a week later I had shingles like Mm. it was that level of stress and I love seeing her with Max and she said something about her relationship with him that really got me and it's it's which is so funny because in a later season Lisa also says a quote about motherhood that like I think about to this day. Wow. But this season she says, I don't think mothering has anything to do with biology. And I loved that statement so mm-hmm. much because it feels so true. And you could just feel the love that she has for him. 
And I don't know. I I really wa- I loved watching that this season. When he surprises her at her birthday party, your little mini birthday party, and she is overcome with emotion. It's just sweet because again, Lisa is like a wall, and she is the person who will turn anything into a joke. And I just love that she melts when it comes to her kids. Me too. And we also can't talk about someone else that brought out the soft side in her. Um, a little someone named Jiggy. <laughs> oh, the uh, Jigster. That was for me the one of the opening scenes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season one. I'm gonna stop saying that. Is Jiggy in like a royal like dog palace bed? This hairless dog that seems to have a lot of ailments. I love dogs so deeply, so I loved seeing that. The reason that I love the Jiggy and Lisa storyline so much is that I feel like rich people just like buy these dogs and then they just like, you know, forget them in a closet like Paris Hilton and just don't care about them. Oh, not Paris. Sorry. And Jiggy was like so beloved by Ken and Lisa. You can tell this like dinky runt of a dog and he's so cute and I love him I didn't love the puppy talk I mean I'm no stranger to puppy talk Xavier famously pretends like he doesn't know me when I see a dog in public because I lose control of myself I I actually I black out but she's I'm sorry who are you <laughs> she calls she like leans over and she's like oh you little sex monster aren't you to her dog she does try to make out that dog sometimes. yeah I know it's gross it's really gross um, but yeah, you know, I'm no stranger to puppy talk, but it's, it's really painful. I gotta say, and Allie, as Allie likes to remind you literally every episode, she doesn't let me rest or no peace. Um, Jiggy is a very cute dog. Oh, I'm surprised like, you said I, that. I would, like, I think <laughs> you're so rude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm an wow. ambassador for all animals. <laughs> all housewives animals. <laughs> wow. Um, no, I think Jiggy is so cute. So adorable. Like, I, I think that's a very cute dog. I can't wait for you to get your own Jiggy. He shook his head. Um, okay, should we talk about Kyle and Lisa? Yes. The beginning of a beautiful friendship. A beautiful, long, tumultuous at times, but beautiful friendship. I, I really enjoy Kyle and Lisa. It was very yeah. fun just to see them in their prime, just living it up, you know? There was a lot more showing than telling when it came to their friendship. It might have been because they, there was so much that happened this season. The cameras cut a lot of their fun scenes. There was a scene of Lisa and Kyle getting, like, hypnotherapy for her fear of flying. So <laughs> and they were getting their, like, brain waves analyzed. It literally just, like, looked like my PC screensaver. <laughs> it was, like, so silly. But I just love that because you can tell that they're down to do anything together. And they tr- really are true friends who talk every day. We just didn't get to see a ton of it this season, I feel like. I feel like we got enough, though. Like We, we, we definitely got a, a taste. I really loved Lisa just, you know, saying Kyle's her partner in crime. Yeah. I loved, when, this is one of my favorite Lisa little funnies, is when they were on the plane to Vegas and um, they're doing a cheers with their champagne and Kyle's like, here's to hope my boob doesn't fall out. And Lisa's like, here's to the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that too. Their dynamic is just so fun. It is so fun. Also, um, there's a moment that I feel like is just classic Kyle and Lisa. Whenever they're by the pool in Vegas and they're kind of talking about, they're both sitting by the pool in full cover-ups. And Lisa looks to Kyle and she goes, did you eat this week? And Kyle's like, no, I was trying not to eat that much so I'd feel good for Vegas. And Lisa's like, well, we'll feel really good until Camille walks in. And Kyle's like, we're going to have to push Camille in the pool. <laughs> and Lisa's <laughs> like, that's a fantastic idea as long as you do it. Note that for later seasons. Um, oh, my God. And then they laugh, and Camille comes out in, like, this white bathrobe. And she just goes, I was a little chilly, so I had to cover up a bit. And Lisa's like, oh, you wait till Camille takes it off. You know it's going to be a spectacular. <laughs> just, 
like little moments about that. Even though they're super self-deprecating to themselves, that is just like their friendship, you know, and their little their little bits back and forth. That's that's my happy place. That type of friendship for sure. I also think that Lisa did a good job being a friend to someone like a Taylor this season. I think. I do. I think that she just kept, she was. Sorry, she reacted like that because I turned my head sideways. Yeah, <laughs> I think that she tried to be Taylor's friend, but Taylor didn't have the capacity to have someone who would really honestly like put her feet to the fire. My thing with Lisa and Taylor is I didn't necessarily feel like she was trying to be like a friend to her so much. I feel like she was trying to let her know maybe like that she had support and whatever she was going through. But to me. I feel like Lisa felt like Taylor was kind of stomping on her territory and she was a little more territorial than friendly in regards to Lisa and Kyle's friendship. I felt like Lisa saw a third party coming in and I love Lisa, but she saw a third party coming in and she was kind of like, hmm, something doesn't, two is a party, three is an even bigger party. Um, but I, <laughs> I kind of agree with you, but I also think there was a window for Taylor and Lisa to become close, but Taylor was so closed off to pretty much everyone, especially to like Elisa, who wasn't just going to hug her when she cried or just blindly be like, it's going to be okay. She's like, I'm going to talk to you about this and we're going to solve this verbally. Like she was not going to let that girl rest until she opened up to her. And I think that when she realized Taylor is just going to be a brick wall to her and maybe open up more to Kyle because Kyle might not probe as much as Lisa. That's when I think it turned into territorial. See, I don't feel like I ever even saw the window. Sorry, not to disagree with you again. I, but I'm going to just because to me, even before that, Lisa was kind of on Taylor's case as early as like the few episodes in when they were in New York because Lisa could smell that the reason Camille came downstairs after she and Kyle had patched things up so heated is because of something Taylor said. And Lisa was not letting anyone forget that. <laughs> I think Lisa kind of had Taylor's number in a way that not many other people did. Maybe Kim, but that was a completely different thing. But they weirdly were kind of aligned in how they felt about Taylor <laughs> and just went about it differently. Um, but I just, I, what you did say about Lisa not being the person who's going to hug you, I think is the foundation of you know, just the dynamic that we'll see between Lisa and Taylor moving forward. I did think the triangle, the friendship triangle between Kyle, Lisa, and Taylor was interesting. And that, listen, I just got to say, if I plan a lunch or a dinner with my good Judy, and then she tells me, she's like, look, look, looks at her phone and says, oh, Taylor's going to stop by. I would be annoyed too. And then I left and my friend stayed with this hoe? No, ma'am. <laughs> Okay, should we talk about Taylor? I mean, we're talking about Taylor. We're talking about Taylor. Let's talk about Taylor. Let's talk about the husband. Let's talk about Taylor. Taylor is someone who I think is interesting. You know what's so funny is I feel like I glamorized her a little bit um, in recent times. Like, obviously, with the <laughs> announcement that she was going to OC and then seeing her, you know, on that show was really exciting. And obviously, Ultimate Girls Trip. But Taylor... What I didn't realize in going back is that she kind of was not my favorite. No. She was not my favorite. I There are things that I appreciated about her. Like in the premiere, when they're kind of talking about their lives and talking about Beverly Hills, she has that line, everything might look perfect, but it's not. It's a land of make-believe, which I feel like is really sums up Beverly Hills kind of as a city. And a reason I love Beverly Hills, and I've said this to you, is it is really the biggest franchise in terms of the game in front of and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And I, so I felt like that Taylor line really captured it, but I, she just wasn't my favorite. She was dead behind the eyes the entire season. It was really sad. It's really, it's not even like to the, I couldn't dislike her because I felt so bad for her the whole season. 
she was clearly going through something so painful and the only place it seems like she could really talk about it or acknowledge it was in front of the cameras, which is always a bad sign. Knowing what we know now, we know that Taylor is having issues at home that are big issues. Mm -hmm. It just felt like a cry for help all season. It felt like she was begging for someone, anyone to to just I don't even know to do to do what because to her she I think she just wanted what she thought was a listening ear but she obviously needed more than that but it just felt like a cry for help in a really sad way yeah and she was like sad and lonely and just like scared of what was happening to her life you know one of my favorite things about her is her being from Oklahoma and always being proud of that and reminding us of that and just you know saying like she's this hard worker she's very proud of being a mom admitting that it's not something she's super familiar with because of experiences from her childhood I don't know if Taylor is proud uh, that she's from Oklahoma or if she is proud that she got out of Oklahoma. I think there's a difference there. I think that those two things can exist at the same time. One thing I love that she said when we first meet her is she knew she was destined for like greatness, basically. Oh, I love that and line. And she said, I was almost envious in some respects in people who were content in living the middle class lifestyle that they had because she very much was not. And I also loved that line. And it really told me who she was because she feels like, you know, you see someone like Kyle or Kim who were born in this town and mm-hmm. who know it in and out. Or you see someone like Lisa and Adrian and Camille who are just filthy rich and Taylor was kind of this person who was trying to achieve that she was Mm -hmm. a little on the outside she's an LA transplant and she was trying to work her way up to that filthy rich status and she was trying to do so in a marriage with Russell should we talk about Russell we have to talk about Russell I mean my favorite introduction of any housewife's husband ever because you knew exactly who he was from the first words out of his mouth. So what's the latest with your little company? I'd appreciate it if you didn't call my company little. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, from the jump, he was definitely someone who... Socially awkward. Cl- well, yes. But also who, like, didn't necessarily want clearly didn't want Taylor to like succeed and flourish, Mm -hmm. you know, unless it was like something tied to him, which is like classic, you know, abuse dynamic Um, because Taylor was in an abusive relationship. We all know this. And if you haven't watched season two and you're listening to these episodes as you watch, spoiler alert, but I think you picked up on it. (laughs) Um, What I loved actually is Lisa meeting Russell for the first time. And when she's like, all I've heard from Taylor is that Russell is this big, sexy Texas cowboy. And then, in walks Russell. And then she laughs and I was like, <laughs> devastating. You can't recover from that. No. <laughs> you know, he really took it on the chin at the reunion probably because he looked so bad. I thought he was going to acknowledge a lot more of the things that the women said about him. The only thing I can think of is he didn't watch the show. So he didn't know. You know, you know where my head went is that he did like have a reaction and oh, took it out on Taylor. Took it out on Taylor, which is so devastating and yeah. so sad. And I can't wait to talk more about that next season. Yeah. Obviously, when that stuff comes out. But ugh. Um, in terms of her marriage, though, that was a big story for Taylor this year. And like feeling lonely, even though she is in a marriage. It's so interesting because her and Kim are going through the same thing. Both feeling lonely in their lives. And Taylor, or sorry, and Kim didn't have a partner, and Taylor did. So it was interesting to juxtapose those things. And Taylor, I just felt like she describes her marriage as 80% business, 20% romance. From the jump, it feels like this woman didn't, you know, ever have the stuff that she wanted out of a marriage. And, like, she didn't have a partner who was her teammate, you know? And we see that a lot with how she kind of compares herself to Kyle and Mauricio. Oh. 
and you have the oh, Allison, the white party. Oh my God, let's, we have to get to the white. We cannot talk about Taylor and Russell without talking about the white party. The white party, Kyle's annual white party, and. Taylor goes with Russell. It's later in the season. We've seen kind of Taylor and Russell's dynamic and how it isn't great. And Russell comes to the the white party, but then leaves early and leaves Taylor there alone. And there's this moment. And Taylor, up until this point, has talked to Kyle. She and Kyle have grown closer and has talked about her marriage and what she wants out of her marriage. And she's crying to Kyle and she feels like she's missing something and she's hoping that her and Russell's marriage will grow into constant unconditional approval. And Kyle says, if you don't have that and you can't change that, what would you do? And Taylor says part of her feels like it's unfair to even ask. And you know, when Kyle says he's lucky to have you, he really is. And you shouldn't feel like you don't deserve to ask for that. We all deserve to have it all. Chills. 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 And her just reinforcing anyone would be lucky to have you. Thank God for Kyle and that friendship. And just trying to lift Taylor up when she's clearly in really vulnerable moments. And then when you get to the white party, it's a similar dynamic as Kyle is changing Portia, um, the most adorable child to ever exist. We'll get there. I love her so much. (laughs) And Taylor's kind of talking about, you know, her dynamic with Russell again. And she also, in this episode, compares, you know, and has been throughout the season, her and Russell's relationship to Kyle and Mauricio's. And there's this moment where Kyle and Mauricio are dancing on the dance floor and they share a kiss and the camera pans to Taylor and she looks so sad. And then she clocks, she looks right at the camera, clocks that it sees her and just starts, she looks away and starts to tear up. And when I tell you I was devastated for this woman, I was so sad for this. I'm getting sad now. It was so sad and so real. It was, And Mauricio and Kyle dancing, like, they were drunk. They were having a good time at this fun party. I think Mauricio, like, grabs her face and is like, I love you. And it's just like a movie moment where you can tell they weren't even aware the cameras were there. And Taylor was outside of her body. And I just wish, I almost wish I didn't see it because it is so personal, sad and heartbreaking. And she just, you could just tell there was just a level of despair. I just kept thinking about, and this might just be the writer in me, but how she did very, like, in a very declarative way in the beginning of the season say, you know, I wish that I was like those girls who didn't have hopes and dreams and was fine with a whatever. I could just imagine her thinking, I got everything I wanted and look how happy I am. I'm miserable. I mean, it's uh, that's all I kept thinking about is how it's a perfect, perfect mirror to Beverly Hills because it's like you can get all the way up there and there's a very, very, very good, a high chance that you won't get what you want and that it's not as good as it seems. There's a quote that I love. I think it might be a RuPaul quote, but RuPaul might have just repeated it. So I'll double check (laughs) after this. I think it's a RuPaul quote where he says Hollywood is not a place it's an idea Mm. and I think that's also why I love Taylor's opening line of this is a town of make-believe because it speaks to that and her in that moment or or moments later when she's standing on the curb holding a whole layer of cake which I kind (laughs) of lived for I was like you better eat that with your hands in the back of that limo yes yes (laughs) but looking so sad it's like this is what she wanted but it also isn't it's like On paper, she's married to this really wealthy man. She lives in a beautiful Beverly Hills home. But on the inside, she's not in a love, like a loving marriage. She doesn't feel cared for or looked after. Like, this isn't what she wanted. So her looking at Cal Mariso is like she was looking at her picture of happiness and knowing she wasn't anywhere near it. And it was just devastating. I mean, her famous line in regards to relationship that I think perfectly sums it up and buttons her and Russell is her saying, I feel like I have this life that I want to celebrate. I just wish he would celebrate with me. 
Oh, it makes me so I know sad. because it's not even like she's nagging him to be a certain way. She just wants him to care, you know? She wants a lot of things that she <sighs> kind of can't say this season. You yeah, know? totally. And that brings me to another thing that I thought was interesting this year, and that was her um, her charity work with mm. domestic abuse. Um, you know, Taylor's a volunteer at the 1746 Family Crisis Center, and it's a safe haven for women and children who have experienced domestic violence within their homes. And she is very vocal about the fact that she is a child of domestic abuse. Um, Her mom was abused when she was younger, and she says she remembers feeling ashamed about the experience that she'd had, and she was so young. So when she meets children that are experiencing this, children who are um, survivors of domestic abuse in the household, she wants nothing more than for them to realize that it has nothing to do with them and everything to do with the person who was the abuser. And Allison, when I tell you watching this, Obviously, this time around is so different than the first time because you just know what she's going through at home mm-hmm. and how she was saying exactly what she's going through. But, like, it just – I can't even explain it. It's it, it, Did you feel that way watching it of just, oh. like, out of body a little bit? It was because it's so rare that a housewife in general has their bearings like that in the midst of going through so much turmoil in their personal life and knows it's really important I'm in front of the camera and that I talk about my childhood and my life and not use it as a talking point of like, poor me, I've overcome so much. She's very matter of a fact with it. And she uses her fame as a platform. And I just love how authentic she was when she talked about it and how it informed who she was, which again, if that storyline did not exist, I don't know that I would have liked her and I would have been like, this woman just needs to go to therapy with her husband. And let's say I didn't know anything because when I watched Beverly Hills, shockingly, I did not know what had happened. I avoided spoilers. So I didn't realize she was in this very, very abusive dynamic with her husband in other ways besides, you know, being neglected. And I just thought that that whole thing was so beautiful. And you could tell it's something that's a passion in her life. And again, it's rare that we get a housewife who um, is like that. So I appreciated her. One thing that did crack me up... Not to transition, but it's about this, is when she is talking about this charity, this is both a sweet sentiment, but it also, like, spoke to who she is, I feel like, a little bit. Um, When she says, by being there and telling my story, I hope that it gives hope that they can pull themselves out of their circumstances in their past and have whatever life they can dream for themselves. I mean, they can live in Beverly Hills just like I do. (laughs) That last sentence, although sweet, and she was teary when she said it, also made me cackle because it's just such a Taylor thing. Yep. Because it's like, that's still that's the goal for, you know, it's yeah. the goal. And I think we see that when it comes to, like, her party she throws for Kennedy. Oh, my you God. Know? <laughs> Can we please talk about the party? We The $60,000 party. For a four-year-old? We must. Oh. We must talk about the party. First of all, we must acknowledge that uh, Dana Wilkie was there. Dana Wilkie jump scare. Hilarious. And we also must acknowledge the shady editors and how they side-by-side compared Taylor's party for four-year-old Kennedy and Kyle's party for two-year-old Portia. Oh Hysterical. Hysterical. Let it be known that Taylor's party, like I said, was 60000 and Kyle's party was 12000 And they just, at least like allegedly. That party was not $12,000. It was 2010. It was 2010. Oh my Inflation. God, that, that party was not $12,000. I'm so sorry. There was a choo-choo train running through her mansion. You don't think backyard. that the producers would have sniffed it out? I just don't think I. Think they are that, shameless with putting those price tags up. I just don't think you know a PA was in the back with their little calculator just going to town. I think that they get their numbers based on what the housewives tell them, and I think that Kyle made a whole thing about like, oh, my thing versus Taylor. I just think that 
Kyle, I don't think it was 60000 That party was not $12,000, okay? There, that party was not $12,000. That's all I have to say about that. Regardless. Uh, <laughs> it was funny to see how Taylor threw this party for Kennedy that really didn't feel like it was about Kennedy to me. It was like she wanted to throw an extravagant party that was on camera. Sorry. And Kyle yeah. threw this party for Portia that felt like more homegrown and like fun and like for the kids, you know? And I think Lisa said it best because Lisa went to both parties. They were the same day. Lisa was like, I actually, when she got to Taylor, she was like, I actually thought whatever happened to pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> and then when she got to Portia's party, she was like, I felt more like I was going home. And I feel like that's a great summation. But also, I did not miss the fact that Taylor took the opportunity to throw shade at Lisa and saying, um, I get more reward out of doing something lavish for my mm. daughter than for myself, you know? I'm sure Lisa would go buy 20 pairs of shoes for herself. I'd rather throw a huge party for my daughter. That's just how I am. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It was, Taylor is really good at being passive aggressive, <laughs> I have to say. I also loved just a quick Kyle thought. Kyle kind of acting like, oh, I'm the beacon of sound mind and my child's party that was only $12,000. As there is a kid's food station being set up, an adult alcohol bar, a petting zoo, a jumper, a kid's choo-choo train, animals, whatever. She was like, I think kids' parties in Beverly Hills have really gotten out of control. I guess it is competitive. They're not your typical kids' parties. Typical for Beverly Hills, yes. I was like, everyone is delusional on the screen. Did she end up having alcohol at that party? I thought she, she did. Because she also made a point of saying, I don't need alcohol at a kid's party. I know, but I think so that So that she would be was, funny. Yes. I could have sworn that she like got some alcohol, but maybe not like a full-blown bar. But it was a hysterical party because the kids spent the entire time playing in a patch of dirt behind the perfectly set catered table. As one does. Not me. As well, no, no. <laughs> you do not catch us in a patch of dirt. We were sitting at that table sipping tea with the adults. Truly. One other thing, a little thing about Taylor, and I think this will transition us to our next housewife, is Taylor tells us that Adrian is the godmother of her daughter, Kennedy, which we later find out isn't true, but we'll get there in a later season. Why? Tell me why I forgot that. Because it was so shocking because that I repressed because it. Because Adrian basically like says, no, thank you later, but... <laughs> Which is devastating also. Very sad. But let's talk about Adrian. Adrian. Um, the housewife that gave us so, so little. That technically brought a lot to the show, but didn't. Yeah. There really isn't so much to cover with Adrian. She is a commanding presence with the women, we have to say. There are multiple instances where the women are getting out of control. And like Adrian is their chaperone, they turn to her because she is, like I've said before, the voice of reason. Like a Every guiding light. Yes. A North Star a little bit to them. And I liked her. Like, I liked Adrian. Me too. But I didn't, I also like, I was like, what did she give us this season? <laughs> like, not a lot. Wealth, I guess. I mean, Adrian comes from the very famous Maloof family. They own... I don't even know how to even describe it. So many basketball teams, a bunch of things in Vegas. Uh, the Palms. The Palms. Uh, they just are like rich, like scary rich. Like uh, it's it's a lot of money. And she's the kind of person that you just hope and pray you get invited to some kind of Vegas trip with. Because I'm like, I would love to roll with you're Adrian Malou. You're flying private. Yes. You're, mm -hmm. you're flying private. You're not thinking about a thing. Every single part of your day is scheduled and taken care of. And money literally doesn't mean anything to them. Like she could not tell you how much a gallon of milk costs. <laughs> and that's, again, the kind of housewife we like to see on a Beverly Hills. Uh, I mean, she's very interesting because she is very like 
of sound mind. Like I know I'm being recorded. I come from a very important family. My business is on the line if I do a bad thing. So she held back a lot. Yeah. The only place she didn't really hold back is with her relationship with her husband, Paul. Oh my goodness. These two. (laughs) Do not like each other. They hate each other. In fact, they actually don't like each other. He is such an interesting person. He is very self-conscious of himself because if he's comparing himself to a lot of the Beverly Hills guys, he's on the shorter side. He maybe isn't as stereotypically good-looking as the other men as he says himself multiple times of the season. And also, I don't know how much Adrian respects him. So I think you know how much. (laughs) Adrian does like this photo shoot for it was like a wine or something with this like very hot young man. Paul crashes the photo shoot and he's just jealous. He's like, hey, you know, be careful with my wife, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, he's a good looking guy. I'm jealous. Oh, Lord. Half of Adrian's storyline was talking about how jealous Paul was of everything. And also Paul being like, Adrian basically cooked me a piece of raw chicken or served me a piece of raw chicken. The running gag of her not being able to cook was hilarious. 100%. There's, it's so funny because this is something I didn't notice the first time. In the closet where I think there's a lot of transition scenes with Adrian and Paul, there is her preserved wedding dress. I clocked that too. I I was like, oh. That looks like La Llorona. (laughs) That is not, that was literally scary. Like, I was like, what is that? And it's just so perfect because it's like, that's the only sacred thing preserved in this marriage because these two bicker nonstop about every little thing. And they like to say, oh, we like to do it. We like to do it. But I also, you can just tell Adrian does not have a good poker face. She can't stand him and Paul loves to poke her loves to poke her they, loves to poke I her I do think that they love to poke each other you know because it took not like every little he could say nothing he could breathe the wrong way out of his <laughs> nose that his son kept breaking over and over again allegedly um by headbutting him like he could just breathe the wrong way and Adrian's just like Paul <laughs> Adrian my nose collapsed in she literally does not care he was I guess wrestling with their four-year-old son which question mark and the son broke his nose Adrian could not have less sympathy for this man she's like he's being a baby she wished that he would shove his face into a pillow when he slept because he's snoring so loud and she was like my four-year-old son was more mature than my 40-year-old something husband and you know they're just hilarious and I also love their very forced anniversary dinner that Adrian clearly didn't want to do they got their chef Bernie who comes back in later seasons to cook them this lavish meal Adrian eats none of it because Paul got all of the food just for himself and not for Adrian but there was a touching scene where he did get Adrian the perfect gift well the perfect gift in my opinion a purebred dog flown in from Germany it was nice to see how genuinely touched she was yeah like she felt genuinely surprised and taken aback I mean it's one thing to track a dog down in literally another country and have them flown it like that was wild to me but that just speaks to their wealth I feel and just like the type of people they are but it was nice to see how touched she was The one thing I wish I got more of um, in terms of Adrian and the other women, because I didn't even know what to desire because she gave us so little, was a friendship with Kim. I loved her little shopping trip that she had with Kim. Kim is in the middle of going through something. Adrian is just kind of in go mode. You can tell she's got 800 things going on. In the middle of the shopping trip with Kim, Adrian gets a phone call that her uncle has passed away. To see that in real time. Oh my gosh. And she handles it again like the daughter of billionaires or however much that family's worth she's like got it just right now okay 
And then she said, I have to go. My brother's, my mother's brother passed away. My uncle died. It was almost like she's like, don't show too much emotion. The camera's on me. And of course, Kim would have been there for her in a second. Yeah, but Kim, also being in shock, like getting oh news gosh, like that. And yes. Kim clocked it too. She was like, yeah. she said that she had to be there for her mom, but I could tell she was affected. And Kim handled that beautifully. Yeah, she did. It was just, that was tough. But I did like Adrian and Kim's little friendship that we were seeing. And I, Adrian being a saint in that limo, <laughs> A, which we will get oh there. Oh my gosh, we will but, get there. Oh my goodness. I, it was, it was nice to see them build a little friendship agree okay should we talk about uh, another housewife with a really bad marriage camille oh, oh. <laughs> sorry Not camille donatachi grammar oh, love excellent Don- name it's an it's such a good name she is such a camille donatachi <laughs> and i forgot she was italian until the reunion when she said that and i'm like you are a striking italian woman <laughs> she is she's gorgeous she literally is let's talk about camille camille right out the gate wanted everyone to know I am married to the famous Kelsey Grammer of Cheers fame, of Frasier fame. And I am not just his wife. I'm ready to step out into the limelight. Agree with that? Did she need to say it 27 mother effing times this season? No. Because I'm like, I guess you are just the wife if you're continuing to say that. That's what's interesting, though, is that I feel like that she really consumed or was consumed by that identity. Yeah. And we were, like, desperate for her to crack out of that shell. And she even knew, and I was conscious of it at a certain point in the season of, like, oh, her tagline says it. I need to get out of my husband's shadow and shine. But it's like she had really absorbed that as an identity of, like, I am this man's wife. I am going to do X, Y, and Z for the Kelsey Graham. You know what I mean? And to be fair to her, she came into Kelsey's life at a very difficult time for him. I think he was just out of rehab or maybe entering rehab and he was struggling with addiction. And she came in there and she was like, I'm going to help you maintain sobriety. I think it was also after his fame. So he was maybe looking for other shows. It was just a down point in his life and she stood by his side. I think it was maybe, I think it was definitely during his fame. Because I sent um, Allison a clip of Kelsey winning an Emmy because I wanted to see Camille at the award show. And she was there. So, like, I think I definitely think she was there during the peak of his Frasier years. But obviously that came after Cheer. So, and I don't know the timeline of his yeah. struggles. Um, but I definitely think she was there for some of that. She has been through it. And so I can understand her having that identity. I just think if you're on The Housewives, you've made it. It's okay. You don't need to talk about it a lot. Just be you. But that was the issue with Camille. There was no her. She was always putting things on. She was never truly authentic. And she really struggled to be down to earth. You know what's funny is that what I noted about Camille this season was not as bad as I remember, but still bad. I think it's because we've seen more of her now. Yeah. Because the first time I watched this, oh my goodness, I could not stand this woman. Yeah. But watching it now, like I understand the pieces a little more mm. and like what she was going through, obviously. But talk about a character. She was so unfiltered in the best way, I must say. Yes. Like she, I think, got so much heat for this season because she would just say anything. And like not even say anything and everything and not even fully realize that she was saying it. Like when she said that she thinks she has a Jesus complex because her she was in Hawaii with her friends and she was like, everyone in this hot tub I've helped out. I must have a Jesus complex of some sort. Like I was just like, Camille! I have this need to want to help people as she's like in a string bikini in a hot tub in her mansion. It's like, like, you have cheers and Fraser residuals. You should be helping people. Yes. (laughs) And her big thing too was feeling like she doesn't like women because they're not nice to her. She said, I feel more comfortable hanging out with men than with women because women can be catty and I don't like cattiness. She was truly the cattiest person on the entire cast this season projecting. 
And again, I didn't dislike Camille as much as I did the first season. Or, sorry, the first time I watched her, just like you said. But oh man, it was just bad. And she just, she has high moments and then mostly very low moments for me. The thing that was just tough, I think it all comes down to her lack of self-awareness. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, and she's someone who is super wealthy, married to someone super famous, so has been catered to again and again and again for over a decade at this point. So then to now be in a group of women who aren't going to cater to her, I think was jarring. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm the most famous person on this cast. How could you not be nice to me? And it's just, yeah. Her house looked incredible, by the way. I'm like, take oh me my. to that hideaway. Uh, literally a small park. Literally. A big park. It was scary. <laughs> I was like, do you have neighbor? Like, what happens if there's an emergency? It was, that's all I could think about. I'm like, is there a, if there's a fire, how are you getting out? It there's was staff. just a very... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> there's a helicopter. There's a helipad on the top. But yeah, I think that the thing with Camille too... She was genuinely struggling in her marriage. Who knows at what phase it was in at this point, but she claims to have been going through this kind of separation with Kelsey because he has decided to take this play in New York uh, where he, quote, feels more appreciated, same, and he's very focused on making that play a success and his family is very much second. And you can tell in the way she speaks, in the way he greets his kids. Like, I'm pretty sure he walks in at one point and he sees his children who run up to him, except daddy. And he goes, good to see you. And you're like, what? <laughs> That's how you speak to your young children? I also don't think his family was second. I think his family was third. Lakaje Fa was second. His mistress was first. Okay. I think from the, the start of the season, so right. he was already canoodling. And I think that's one of the reasons he went to New York. Oh, one yeah. of the reasons maybe he found a play to do. Yes. Like, I think he was living another life. Let's call it for what it is. Like With his flight attendant. At the top, which is, I can picture the scene. <laughs> I can picture, excuse me, Mr. Grammar, would you like, uh, oh my gosh, I almost said vodka. Nope, not vodka. Not vodka. Uh, would you like a, a warm cup of tea? Or would you like some coffee? Ginger Would you like um, some, some Delta little cookies that I think are delicious? <laughs> Not to call out Delta. But yeah, I think he was fully, and you know, Camille says this and the other ladies say this, that he kind of gifted her, and this is gross to say, but I think he literally says this, the show was his last gift to Camille. Yeah. Come on, I mean, sir. he's like a stereotypical old Hollywood star where it's like everyone around him, they're just players in this game where his life is the only one that matters. And I can understand some of Camille's bad behavior being a victim to that for sure. For sure. I mean, her life was falling apart. Yeah. And it doesn't excuse everything by any means, but like we can give her a little bit of grace. Yeah. And her mom was also struggling with her mom. Cancer. I love her mom. Her mom's great. And I, I love seeing I love her getting her nails done and her mom just hanging out with her. Like it was very cute. Uh was it cute, Xavier? She literally fit her I wanted to see my her, <laughs> I wanted to see my mom. Well, I had to get my nails done. So Well, I mean, that's just Camille. You just take it for what it is. Seeing it her just, with her mother is cute. Yes, I stand by that. Thank and you. then she was complaining <laughs> to her mom, who is literally going through chemotherapy, being like, I'm just tired. It was just like it really was so I could even tell like her mom was probably clocking, like, what are you saying? I just it's I'm, it's, it wasn't cute to me. It was it was I hard to watch. I think her mom is cute. I love her mom. I just think that Camille, whatever personality she was putting on, I'm not saying she's always like that with her mom, but whatever phase she was in when we were filming, I was like, you just look so bad right now. Yeah. I just don't think any normal person would have not made that conversation about her mom, you know? You're really not agreeing with me. That's, just, how, that's how you know down. when he doesn't agree with me. He just, <laughs> I just didn't think it, it just upset me. Okay. I'm sorry that I shut you down. It's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> next. I, just, I feel bad. <laughs> Buy for what you like. <laughs> I do think it was really interesting. Them. I think one of the reasons I love that scene too is it just brought like a little awareness to like the BRCA gene and getting tested mm, for that. Yes, yes. And so scary, like you know, for her, Camille to get tested for the gene and to know yeah. that she has it and so that like a mutation down the line is something that's very likely and just seeing that and them go through that I thought was important to have on the show also. Agree. I think we got to talk about the main story of the season. Camille and Kyle. The New York dinner. Ooh, it starts before the New York dinner though, right? Yes, it does start yeah. before the New York so dinner. So it starts before the New York dinner. So Camille and Kyle. They gave and they gave and they gave for this season. And it's so funny that they are the center diamonds of the season because it feels very earned, yes. like both of them. And what happened was <laughs> is that they all took a trip to Vegas and cameras were down when this happened. And I got to say, normally I'm not team cameras not being there. Like I want everything on camera. But it was probably best that the cameras weren't there because then, like, piecing it together, like, the mystery of it all, I think that's kind of what made the season. Yeah. So, um, you know, allegedly, Kyle was asking Camille about her spring break plans, and Camille was going to Hawaii, and Kyle's asking her, like, oh, is Kelsey meeting you there? And Camille says no, and she's like, oh, like, just asking your questions. And what Camille heard is, why would anybody be interested in you without Kelsey there? <laughs> Allie rolls her eyes. And it was just a misunderstanding. Kyle felt like she said one thing. Camille felt like she said another. And then we were off to the races. For many, many episodes. I don't love a he said, she said. I did like it in season one because it doesn't usually happen like this. It worked here. And we didn't know either of the women that well. So you kind of had to be like, here's what I think of Camille and here's what I think of Kyle. And based off of that, you're like, this is a good housewife and this is the bad housewife. Here's the issue. Me in this rewatch, I'm kind of like, was Camille a little bit right? There is a kind of resolution that happens upstairs in like the hotel suite, I think. And the women, which I also loved this moment because Camille and Kyle this has been spoken about on camera whatever they're finally coming together Kyle's ready to discuss whatever happened with Camille and the women are eavesdropping they're like listening on the door which I feel like doesn't happen anymore and now it's just like we're at dinner and we're at this restaurant and I'll text what happened and then it's like someone's on FaceTime I just love like all of them like actually sitting there <laughs> eavesdropping um but they apparently made up and Kyle was like I would never want you to feel that way this is what I mean Camille seems to accept the apology or at least feels like bulldozed into accepting the apology much like I just did with you and Camille's mom now and she <laughs> recently <laughs> and so <laughs> you think <laughs> I just know I see revenge in those eyes I know something's coming I know something's coming I'm scared uh, dad come pick me up um so they make up and then they go downstairs to this dinner and the women are like, oh, my God, they made up. I'm so happy. Like, no more Camille and Kyle fighting. Immediately, Camille, like an AI robot, is like, nope, that never happened. That actually never happened. And she starts gaslighting Kyle, being like, no, like, you really did say that. And this is a reason why Camille was not well received this season, because then she would have moments in her confessional, like during this fight, you know, where Kyle is very passionate and very animated and Camille's kind of cool as a cucumber. <laughs> and in her confessional, she'd be like, and the more I stood up for myself, she just kept getting madder and madder. I knew I was winning. The person that remains in control is the one that wins. She lost her cool. Sorry, Kyle, you lose. 
It's so good. She's such a master in gaslighting. She delivered her villain lines with athletic ease. Uh, <laughs> it was incredible, impeccable. She felt nothing when she said the. She also said in the same situation when she's accusing Kyle of everything, she said, "I swear on my mother who has cancer." You said that. It always makes me so uncomfortable. Oh, it's like you didn't have to say that. And also, that doesn't make people believe you anymore. And everyone is like mouth jaw on the ground. And then we have the infamous Kyle line. She looks at her and she says, you're such a fucking liar, Camille. So good. And I was thinking, I was like, why is that line so iconic? And I think it's because we were in Beverly Hills where you have this like prim and proper and glamorous and rich. But Kai was ready to get down and just let you know how it truly is. I love that because it was kind of a sneak preview of Kyle. I don't know that it fully pays off with her character in the next couple of seasons, but I felt like Kyle in this moment because when I feel like someone is trying to defame my character and it is truly a he said, she said, or she said, she said, I do go ballistic. I was, I was just literally like picturing high school or a college thing, whatever it is, where it's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to stop with all of the airs of I'm swearing on my mother. I'm doing this. I'm just going to tell you like it is. And it is, it makes no sense that this is such an iconic line, but it sticks in my brain. I think about it all the time. It is an earworm of mine. And it was definitely a Kyle Richards Bible moment. And this dinner just gave us moments and moments. And like, there's a lot of stories at play at this dinner. For instance, Kim was the only one who was there to hear this conversation between Kyle and Taylor. And Kyle's like, Kim, you're my sister. Back me up. Like, you were there. And then... Kim kind of freezes and doesn't back Kyle up, so that causes issues, which we'll talk about later. And then there's also Kim and Taylor going at it because those two are like oil and water. And Taylor saying the infamous line, I'm about to take you out back and pull some Oklahoma on your ass. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <laughs> I can't see Taylor pulling Oklahoma on anyone's ass. <laughs> and it just gave and gave and gave. The only thing it didn't give was uh, those women a full dinner because there were these giant pizzas at the table. That didn't look great. No, they well, they had been sitting there for hours I was untouched. Like, what is that, just a single olive on it? No. I had nothing but questions, <laughs> comments, was, and concerns. There was like a slice and a half missing, and I was like, they just didn't eat, and they've been drinking all day. Cool. That's truly, <laughs> that was a sad moment. It was not my ministry. No. <laughs> <laughs> I need extra cheese to start. Thank you. <laughs> and then Camille also has a line after the New York dinner in her Professional, where she is talking about this whole situation and talking about who she's married to, who Kyle is married to. And she says, there's a difference between that and the, or she's talking about who Kelsey is. And Kelsey is this beloved actor and he's done this and that. And then she says, there's a difference between that and the local Beverly Hills realtor. That's so rude. I just can't believe she would say something like that about Mauricio because he has nothing to do with the situation. He's genuinely a nice guy. And he's literally your real estate agent. It's just, how could you ever say a bad word about that man at that point? Oh, sorry. I didn't hear a word you said because you said Mauricio and then I went somewhere else. <laughs> uh, but I'm back. Um, yeah. Yes. Every, mm-hmm, all of that. All of that. Oh, my um, God. Should we talk about the dinner party from hell? <laughs> Do you need a glass of ice water? <laughs> I need more than a glass of ice water. No. <laughs> well, this oh. is a Mauricio Stan account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. People were going to hate us, but. As Allison literally took a sip. Took I a sip. Take a sip. I, As I took Allison a sip literally, and I finished my whole damn glass. took a sip, honey. Because <laughs> when it gets hot, we have to took a sip. Is that a thing now? <laughs> so stupid. Let's talk about the dinner party. Speaking of sipping. <laughs> the dinner party from hell. 
Ooh. You wish that something like this would happen in every season of Housewives. It was incredible. It was. You can never recreate it. It was incredible. And they've tried. And it was just. And you know what was so great about it? We're the guest stars. Yes. The guest stars are what made. So basically, Kyle and Camille have been feuding. <laughs> <laughs> and Camille hosts a dinner party where she has two friends. Dee Dee, who we see all season as her best friend. And Allison Dubois. Uh who is a psychic and a medium. Um, and then Kyle also brings a, fi- a friend, the morally corrupt Faye, Faye Resnick. Resnick. <laughs> oh. I love Faye. This is also a Faye Stan account, and we would like to speak to Andy Cohen. There is no reason that Faye should not have a diamond. Thank you. Please contact us at our email, which we will link below. Um, Andy, she is talking very seriously, but do not fully listen to her because I will say I'd get nervous because the minute something went south with her and Kyle, I, I don't think I could take it. Nothing's going to go south with her and Kyle. Shush. Nothing's going to. Don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. It's out there, honey. She needs the minute to be a you diamond. sign that contract, it's out there. The producers are in the back of the van, honey, oh my God. cooking up something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Dinner party from hell. The supporting players. Boom. And it's worth noting, too, that Allison isn't just like your run-of-the-mill medium or psychic. She is a special medium and psychic because the show Medium has been created apparently after her. She was trying to describe who she is in the context of Camille's universe. And she said, Patricia Arquette plays me in Medium. That's how we met Allison. To which Lisa Vanderpump took me out whenever she is talking Allison says this and Lisa goes oh gosh I, I, I must watch it <laughs> in the least convincing voice ever I mean when you get there the vibes are off because clearly Camille has some sort of agenda for the dinner and to be fair Kyle sort of does too she walks in with her sidekick Faye Camille has her sidekick Allison and they're both going to use them to stir up shit the problem was nobody was thinking about what Camille herself was serving which was a fishbowl of freaking cosmopolitan (laughs) martinis they did I was like get me to right now really but they were huge the women hadn't eaten yet and everyone was literally like their tiny little bony diamond ridden hands could barely hold these gigantic cups and Alison Dubois, uh, much like me, was like, these are delicious. I'll have seven. She was good from also, the minute one. I also loved two things that Camille in the Dinner Party from Hell Producers Cut episode said. They looked bigger on screen. <laughs> and, also, okay. and also Camille being like, you know, my friend Allison, you know, she gets really fun when she drinks. So we kind of can't let her go there. And then serve after serve after serve, yeah. heavy pour after heavy pour after heavy pour. And after a while, Camille starts to kind of push the drinks away from Allison. But the drinks always seem to find their way back into her hands. And she starts to say weird things. Allison, to be fair to her for five seconds, responding to the weird energy in the room of people kind of making fun of her being a medium psychic. Yeah. And she's like, it's Saturday. See, I'm still young. So when Saturday hits, I get all excited. Like, yeah, what are we going to do? Right. And that part of me still comes out. It's a girl's night. So we're not supposed to be good. We're supposed to be really, really bad in a controlled setting. You don't look me in the eye when you say that. I... (laughs) You're welcome. I'll bill you. It is one of those situations where Allison, like, she's the kind of person that can't just let weird energy lie. Like, she has to fill the silence. And also, there's a lot of, like, catty chatter happening at the end of the table from Kyle and Miss Faye Resnick. To which Camille, Camille really does throw the first jab. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, talking to her dinner guests as one does. And she's talking to Faye and she's like... 
I recognize her. Where do I recognize her from? And then as if it just got delivered to her via carrier pigeon, <laughs> she says, oh, you know how I know her? I saw her naked in Playboy. That's how I know Faye. After the OJ trial. And then in her confessional, which we've already said it, but she was like the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. And a, and a line was born. A lot. Poetry. Poetry. Truly. But Get her her laureate. But then she just drops this at this dinner. And in the words of Lisa Vanderpump, if it had been a dinner party I was throwing, I wouldn't have said it. No. <laughs> like anyone with sense. Unless you're trying to make a point, which she was. She very clearly wanted to say something to Faye. You can tell she didn't know when to say it or how to say it, but she was going to say it. And when she saw Faye and Kyle making fun of Allison, they were making some comments about her not wanting to Being kind of. Clock. Yeah, be on the clock and give them a reading or whatever else it is, which is very understandable. She saw them as kind of winning, I think, the dinner because people were kind of like, okay. You know, everyone was kind of doubting Allison in this whole situation. Everyone was feeling uncomfortable and Camille looked bad. So her solution as a mean girl was to mean girl Faye Resnick as someone who herself has posed in Playboy. Yeah. That was so weird to me. I mean, she was just grabbing low-hanging fruit, you know, and that's what she had. Um, And I think the point that she was trying to make that she didn't make well (laughs) is that the difference between Camille doing what she did in her 20s is that, you know, Faye did it after this really scandalous thing that happened where her best friend was murdered. You know, so I think that's part of what Camille was getting at. Did she at all make land or even hint at her point not really no (laughs) but this really sets things into motion because obviously kyle and faye are like that puts a bad taste in their mouth when they're starting to push allison for a reading and allison isn't necessarily wanting to go there she's like i'm here as a guest you know and the things that i might have to tell you would just annoy you (laughs) and then you start to realize that these two are about to play ball Lisa even sets it up by saying, Faye was like a panther prowling through the jungle. And she's so right. Like, they were like, go ahead. Hey, because they're thinking she's, they're going to say, you know, you'll have four children and you'll be happy or whatever. You'll have a Hyundai, whatever. It's no one is actually, <laughs> you'll, you'll, down, you'll downgrade from a Porsche to a Hyundai, just like everyone else. Kyle would never. Kyle would never. <laughs> but they were thinking it was going to be something silly and totally off book. They were not thinking that they had just been insulting this woman and her career and her weirdness for so long. And she was going to strike back. And what Allison asked Kyle is, how many times have you been married? And she says twice. And and then Allison lets out a sigh of relief and say, oh, good. That's your last one. I was scared that uh, I knew that you were going to be married twice and this was your first one. So then you were going to get married, blah, blah, blah. And then Kyle says, if my husband ever leaves, I'm leaving with him. To which Allison says, <laughs> he will <laughs> Which Allison says, he will never emotionally fulfill you ever. Know that. As soon as the kids are bigger, you'll have nothing in common. Oh, you guys, Xavier is holding an electronic cigarette, I think. Is it real? No, it's Can fake. I have some? It's... Oh, just kidding. Yes, I can I? <laughs> this is the most convincing kit. Honestly, frankly, better than the version 1.0 of a vape pen that Allison Dubois was vaping that night. Oh my God, we'll take a picture and post this on social. This is a gift from one of uh, my coworkers in our writer's room. Oh. <laughs> Just like a little gag gift. It is a very, very convincing <laughs> fake cigarette. I thought Allison's that face when I pulled it out. You do not smoke. And I was like, you're not going to do this for the podcast, are you? 
I was like, oh my, and I was like, is my sense of smell gone? Do I have COVID? Why did I not smell it being lit? That was really funny. <laughs> it like, oh my God, popped an ovary. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, and Kim's impression of Allison vaping, much like you pulling out this is, Allison was puffing away. It was so good. Kim was cracking me up in her she confessionals was. in this dinner. That was good, Kim. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. But yes, so she drops the comment about him never being able to emotionally. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Never be able to emotionally fulfill her. Can I put this in my mouth? Sure. I'm smoking the fake cigarette and I want a real one. <laughs> oh my. Here, hand it back, girl. <laughs> but my mouth was on it. We'll clean it. You just put it over there. We'll clean it. It's paper. Is it paper? This can be cleaned. I just tasted it. Oh, well. Okay. This can be clear. Anyway. Some of us faked it, and I'm a thespian. <laughs> yeah, you you smoked that like a girl in college who has never held a cigarette in her goddamn life. I know. I wanted to hold it like this. It just, but that also is not. That's I, very like, that is, that's how Allison was smoking it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's no hope for us. We're 12 years. Okay, we can do it. Come on, let's okay. do this. And then the dinner spirals from there spirals obviously they go back and forth and people are like that's a nasty thing to say and kim is like i thought kyle in her confessional i thought kyle was going to fly across the table which would have been <laughs> great and very entertaining and of course we don't condone violence but no. it would have been warranted quite frankly that was rude 100 percent. and then kyle decides that she's going to leave and honestly the entire table is going to leave i think adrian is the one so something that's interesting is so kyle is in she is in the mud honey mm -hmm. she and allison are romping and Faye and camille they are rolling around like little pigs and they are getting all muddy <laughs> and all dirty and it's taylor looking at adrian her north star saying you need to stop it yeah you need to stop it which also starts more taylor and kim mess because mm -hmm. Kim's like, why don't you stop it? And Taylor's like, I can't stop it because you're off your effing rocker. <laughs> and the, to which Kim says, why don't you go blow up your lips some more? It's just bad. Bad blood between these two. Not great. And then Taylor's the one who stops it and gives the iconic, enough, 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 enough. And something I noticed that's just interesting is because, you know, Taylor's finding her voice and it's cute. And she did do a good job there. But it, Lisa did not get up until she noticed Adrian was getting up. Yes. Which was just like a small Power. detail. Yep. But Adrian's the next one who gets up. And then Lisa sees that. And she's like, okay, yeah, it's time to go. That's why I thought that Adrian is the one. I thought for a second that Adrian's the one who interrupted it. I remember Taylor saying, you need to stand up and say something. And Adrian is like, either deer in the headlights or knowing if I speak a word, I'm going to get involved. Mm -hmm. Once again, the chaperone of the housewives this season is like, <laughs> all right, we're getting ready to go. And everyone's like, okay, let's go. And on the way out, uh, Kyle and Camille get into it once again. Can, there's one thing I want to say that I just thought was a hysterical like mirror and little foreshadow is there's a moment where Kyle was saying something to Camille and Allison interjects and Kyle goes, I'm not talking to you, Allison. And Allison goes, well, I'm talking to you. That exact dialogue happens later in season five with another Richard sister. Yep. Incredible. Incredible. And you know, it, that's pretty much the last incredible part because they leave and then just, it's just nastiness. In the limo, Kyle is apparently showing photos of Camille's like Playboy spread. Yeah, that was that was not classy. Not good. You know, it's it's also like yes, she was throwing stones from a glass house. I understand where she's coming from, but it's also like that was just not cool. Kyle, and you know, I love Kyle, yeah. but Kyle has her moments where she can be mean. Like she can she be is. mean. I mean, and that was one of those moments that just wasn't a good look. You know? Yeah. 
And then back at the house, I mean, Allison is just going in on Kyle. And she obviously feels very slighted. I did have a small bit of sympathy for her until she said the line, Kyle was every girl at a high school that made somebody kill themselves. She also calls her the leader of a mean girls. She says some kind of like gross like things about her. kids for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then she brings up her kids and she's like, those women are bitches. And if one of their kids went missing. Bitch is a one syllable word for a reason. That's all they understand. I was like, she kind of ate with that one line. Just that one line. (laughs) (laughs) She honestly, it's sad because she, I think if she like towed the line of like, not bringing kids into it and not bringing her marriage into it and not bringing up the Kyle and killing girls, killing themselves thing. I think that she would have actually ended up being the person who looked better in that scenario, or Mm. maybe the playing field would have been more even. But after that, it was like, Oh no, Kyle was victimized. And this woman is crazy because she was like, you know, if her kids ever went missing, that these, these women would come to her wanting help and just like very icky stuff. And it it wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, you did fail to mention, one of the most iconic moments of the night. When the sprinklers came yes! on. <laughs> it's so good. They're outside of Camille's house and they're just talking shit. And they're like, oh, you know, where's the car coming? I can't believe that happened. She's crazy. I feel like I'm in a haunted mansion. All of a sudden, the sprinklers come on. The women scream. Their Louboutins are messed up. Their hair is messed up. Lisa says the psychic turned them on. <laughs> yes. It was just funny. Hysterical. And also it's worth saying too that in, you know, in the aftermath when Allison is kind of going in, like Camille, there are some things that Allison says that she kind of shouts down, not loudly, but she's kind of like, oh no. But then she does kind of go in on Mauricio Mm. and saying that like, you know, Mauricio loves his nannies um, and just insinuating that like, and she's like, oh no, I'm just saying, I'm not saying he's cheating on her. I'm just saying he really loves women. And I'm just like, that's not all he loves. You know what you're doing, Camille. Yes. yes. And I think that we got to talk about the Mauricio piece. Yeah. So after this dinner party from hell, they're at a charity event that Camille isn't at. It's um, Lisa's throwing an, an event and Kyle is there and Kyle sitting across the table from Faye and her other girlfriends and she gets a text from Camille saying that, sorry, but my husband and I can no longer do business with you. Because up until this point and how Kyle met Camille was through Mauricio because Mauricio is their agent. They're his clients. You know, he's their real estate agent. So... It was kind of, it was like, that was a big line in the sand. She picked the perfect moment to send that to. She knows that Kyle will immediately start bawling anytime there's some kind of conflict or her actions affect somebody else because Kyle is a bleeding heart. She chose to send that text, like you said, at Lisa's event at Villa Blanca for a charity in front of all of her best girlfriends when Kyle is thinking, oh, I'm on top of the world and Camille looks bad. And Kyle, the entire event was just absolutely distraught, realizing I have to tell my husband that this happened. Mm-hmm. And she does, and he's not happy. Yeah. You know, this dips into Kyle's stuff a little bit. Um, but do we just want to transition into Kyle? I, I mean, we've been talking about that girl for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> might as well get into Kyle. So, you know, before kind of continuing that thought, I got to say, y'all, I love Kyle. I do. I'm coming out with it. I'm coming out, okay? Oh. I'm a Kyle Richards fan. She is my number one housewife of all yes, time. Yes, say that. 
I love that mine was last episode, right? Yeah. And yours Phaedra was this- Parks. Yes. And Phaedra Parks is in my top five. Maybe yes. even my top three. Um, but Kyle's my number one. She's just, she'll probably always be my number one. Like Lisa Vanderpump, I'm a loyal bitch. And I just love Kyle. I do. And sometimes it's hard to defend her, but yeah. I will always ride. I will always ride. She's a great housewife. A lot of people have very hot takes on Kyle, which surprised me when She's I- very polarizing When I way. dipped my toe into like the housewife universe and I'm like talking to people or reading blogs, I'm like- I did not realize that people genuinely do not like Kyle Richards. I thought that people would either be middling on her or love her. People hate Kyle sometimes. So I honestly think it's refreshing when someone rides for her like you do. Kyle's just such a great housewife. And she, like, what would Real Housewives of Beverly Hills be without Kyle Richards? Or Real Housewives in general. Yeah. And now we've said it. And now we've said it. (laughs) Honestly. Because, again... People like, sorry to continue to bring her up, but when we think of housewives, we immediately go to like a Bethany Frankel. But Kyle's really like the backbone of this franchise because she has stuck around the longest. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because the person who lasts the longest isn't always necessarily the heart of a franchise. Mm -hmm. People would argue that, you know, it's between Kyle and LVP. And I think they have different claims to the throne, which I will happily break down as seasons (laughs) go. But it... It's hard to me imagine the show without both of them, but there is something about Kyle that it's really hard for me to imagine Beverly Hills without her. Yeah, I agree. And same for me with LVP. So we're going to have some knockdown dragouts coming up. But I think we both agree about both of them. It's yeah. just a matter of who we might agree with more at, at certain time. times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> completely. Um, okay. So Kyle is someone who was born and raised in Beverly Hills. This is her town. She will tell us again and again and again in her taglines. <laughs> but I digress. Um, see, y'all, just because they're my faves doesn't mean I can't critique a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but she and Kim are sisters. They are also both the younger sister of Kathy Hilton, aunts to... Paris and Nikki Hilton and that so they're like very much entrenched in the Beverly Hills world and Kyle's also she has four daughters um obsessed I'm just obsessed with Kyle's family I love them so much they're just so I don't know I just love I feel like I've I've grown up with them at this point (laughs) like you know um and her husband as we were just talking about is Mauricio's real estate agent so to kind of continue the Camille conversation and we'll get into more Kyle stuff um Kyle tells Mauricio that Camille has sent her this text about doing business and he is not happy. And what's interesting about it, and this just shows you and gives you a sneak preview to Kyle playing the game, is her tune switches up so quickly. (laughs) I'm talking the next party that she and Camille are at, the Roaring Twenties party. Kyle, and I love you. I love you, Kyle. I love you, Kyle. I love you, Kyle. But you were kissing some Camille ass. (laughs) You put that good lipstick on and you puckered up. And she did the right thing. You said, you, she said, this is about my coin, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I will put on my Chanel lipstick and I will kiss your ass. It was just so, I was like, it just felt so clear as day to me. Yeah. I was just like, Kyle, at least hide it a little bit. <laughs> She's normally not like that. So, I mean, that just goes to show you too how Mauricio was because Mauricio's business will dip and grow at different times. But I just love that Kyle's like, I gotta look out for my man. I cannot let this show get in the way of my real personal life. And this is... It also goes to show you, too, the Kyle we know in present day is so wealthy, you know, like their lives exploded financially. But the Kyle we knew in season one, I don't wasn't as wealthy as who we're used to now. She wasn't as wealthy as Elisa or an Adrian or a Camille, certainly. So it was like 
losing that those properties and that client from Risu, I do think probably would have been a hit and not only a hit financially and, you know, but also a hit on whatever rung of the ladder he was on at his company, you know, so Kyle was willing to play the game. And I feel like that also is kind of what made Kyle lovable is that she, to me, is kind of in this world of wealth and richness was someone who was very down to earth and very homegrown in a way. And I feel like that's why we liked her. Like she wasn't afraid to make the joke even though she did have a handbag fetish and all these things, but like little moments like when she, okay, one of my favorite moments of the entire season could watch it for hours and give me the raw footage of her and Kim going grocery shopping. Oh my God. <laughs> and even little moments of her putting her Birkin in the shopping cart, almost caught it a buggy, West Virginia crawling <laughs> out. And Kim could, putting her bag on top of it and Kyle being like, don't switch my bag. And literally moving her bag and putting it on top of Kim's little things like that yeah. was telling me that Kyle was trying to be or come into a status that she wasn't quite at yet or like really trying to achieve. It was just little things. And I thought that was interesting because I didn't quite remember that. I always remember hearing the story. There's like a special about season one of Beverly Hills where the ladies, I wish I could find it again. If any of y'all have a link, honey, <laughs> send it to the Twitter. Um, because I want to watch it again because Kyle talks about how the first morning of filming, she went out and bought this gorgeous, it might've been Chanel or this gorgeous pajama set and like kind of put on airs because she knew what show she was going to be on. And I think it was living slightly beyond her means at that point. And I just think that's interesting because yeah. we don't think about that when we think about Kyle. And I think that Kyle's strength is her family and her Achilles heel are her siblings and also her image. That is very, very important to Kyle as down to earth as she seems. Yes. And you know what? I think she only seems down to earth because of the cast she's on. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? so true. If you put her in a different city, it's like, oh, okay, you yeah. know? Um, but comparatively, absolutely. And something that's interesting about Kayo is she grew up as a child actress. Mm -hmm. um, and she started when she was three years old. And as her mom used to say, she started very late because her sister Kim started at six months. <laughs> I was like, oh, girl, we're already getting yep. to the thick of some of it. And the Kyle and Kim dynamic is just one that's going to feed and feed and feed and feed and feed and just, feed us again. I clenched. I just clenched. <laughs> I'm so tense. But like it's moments like that, like her comparing like when they each started acting that are just so fascinating and so interesting. Um, but before we jump into Kim, I want to talk a little more about Kyle's family specifically. Yeah. And can I just say, if A, Mauricio's face when he thought Kyle was pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> hysterical. And can I also just say, um, also not her being like, if I wanted it to happen, you wouldn't even know what happened. I was like, girl, <laughs> too much. My palace. Too much. <laughs> What I will say, though, if this were a script to show, Kyle would be pregnant in season two. A hundred Because her thing is, like, her as a mother. It's yeah. what she's most proud of. So cute. So, and now having watched her for all of these years, if we had, similar to Teresa, if we had in the can a pregnant Kyle season, it just feels like it, like, rounds out her story in a way. So, like, if this were scripted. Nine months, season oh two. Oh my God, can you imagine if Kyle, I cannot picture Kyle pregnant. I don't know. It could be interesting because she was already sassy in season two. Yeah. So can you imagine? I cannot. <laughs> I'm. It's also so crazy because she's so effortlessly mother's Portia, the cutest housewife child next to Aiden Ida. I mean, they literally, I can't take how cute she is. It's upsetting to me how cute she is. But she just effortlessly 
you know, mothers her and she carries her around with her to events. And when she cries, she doesn't flip out. She's not like, are you okay? She's just like, oh, she's crying. This is my fourth child. I've got this. I cracked up hysterically in the, I think it's the lost footage episode when they're at the white party and she's trying to put Portia to sleep. Oh, yeah. And she's like, she won't sleep if I'm not here. So let me, and she gets her to sleep. She goes to put her in the crib and Portia starts crying. And Kyle literally climbs over the crib banister into the crib, cracked up. And also Portia's face when she gets up and realizes that Kyle isn't there, but Kyle's in the crib with her, oh behind her God. with her head down. <laughs> it's art. It was art. Oh, such a good mom. It's she so really good. does seem like such a good mom. She really does. And yeah. to see her, you know... In moments with the season with Portia or with like Farah's graduation mm-hmm. and hearing about how she had Farah when she was 19. And and something that really touched me was her talking about, you know, Farah graduates from college this year. And she, Kyle says one of her biggest regrets is that she didn't go to college and realizing that that's a thing for her. Mm-hmm. So to see Farah graduating college is a huge accomplishment both for Farah and Kyle because, you know, she was such a young mom. I was so touched by that. And then... Uh, the Richard sisters, they really kill me because then Farrah's party and Kathy not being there, which I am, which, you know, they didn't make it seem like this, but part of me thinks like Kyle and Kathy must not have been in a good place for at this sure. time, especially when Kim was like, Kyle's been crying for days. I believe that. So they weren't in a good place, but Kathy sends, you know, those gorgeous flowers and I was dying to know what was on that check. Same. I was how many zeros? Tell me. At least four. I think it's four zeros. I think, I think it was astronomical. I think it was probably 50,000. That's what I thought. Oh my, that's literally. That I feels either, like a good rich I thought number. it was either 10,000 or 50. So I, that's hysterical. Hysterical. But something that was really touching in that moment for me was actually a Kim thing. Oh my gosh. A, you know I love the end music of Orange County. Top tier, but I forgot how good the end music of Beverly Hills is. Beverly Hills is pushing right up against it in terms of like feels. And they also would play that score at certain like sadder moments in the season. And this was one of them because Kim is talking about how she knows that this day was hard for Kyle and she was disappointed that their other sister couldn't make it with her family. And then she says, but um, I was there and it just gutted me like a fish. Because it's also the same episode where they're about to fight or, you know, it's toward the end of the season. And it was just, we got to talk about Kim and Kyle. We got to talk about Kim and Kyle. The big thing with Kyle and Kim that you guys need to know is Kyle, whose mom passed away a few years ago at this point on the show. She passed away of cancer. It was really heartbreaking. You could tell the girls were very close to her mom. Kyle made a promise to her mom before she passed away that she would always take care of Kim because Kim is so codependent and also we find out has other issues and you can tell that that's something that weighs on Kyle every single day the thing that was interesting about this season is there there was a lot going on like you have the Kyle and the Camille stuff you have Taylor and her issues but the big thing that was looming was Kyle and Kim's dynamic and what exactly was going on and why there was so much animosity at times and resentment and sure you can at face value chalk it up to like it's sister stuff it's family drama like what's happening but then you learn that it runs much deeper and we've spoken about this a little bit but there are moments throughout the season where Kyle is having issues with Camille and Kim doesn't defend her and that becomes a big source of contention for the two which is ironic again a mirror these same things happen years later with the other like just flipped and I'm just so fascinated by that 
And you see that Kyle is very much a mother figure yeah. to Kim. Or you would think if you didn't know their ages, you'd be like, oh, Kyle's the older sister. Like, no, for sure. Full stop. Like, there's no way that Kyle's not the older sister. Except she isn't. She's a good four years younger, I think, or so. Maybe six. Um, and you can see that Kim is more of a fragile personality. And there are moments such as, you know, during the season, Kim has a spa day for Whitney's birthday. Whitney's one of her daughters. And at the spa day, there's some issues because Whitney is wanting to go to Texas to be with her dad for the summer and just to spend the summer in Texas. And Kim doesn't want that. And she asks Kyle to support her in that decision. But Kyle's like, well, is she just going for the summer? Like, is she definitely going to come back? And if she is, why not have let her have fun? And you can just see their different parenting styles and how Kim really didn't appreciate that. And that just like trickles throughout the season until we get to the finale. And they have their infamous limo ride. Allison. It's one of the worst, most painful housewife scenes to watch. It's impossible to watch. Yeah. It's It was so devastating. So all of this resentment has built up and it comes to a head in the limo. But before we talk about the limo, we should talk about Kim. Yes. Kim Richards. Miss Kim Richards. Child actress. The Disney girl. Everyone's crush at certain points. Yeah. Apparently. Like she was really famous. Yeah. Even when I talk with people about Real Housewives sometimes who don't watch the show and like they were a, they're a little older than I am. So we're really in tune to Disney and shows around that time. They're like, oh yeah, Kim Richards. And I'm, so I'm always like, oh, like Kim Richards was a household name, question mark. Yeah. Um, Which is really cool. And Kim is someone, I have a soft spot for Kim that you do not. I know. I do not. But I have a soft spot for Kim. She makes me laugh. She, throughout the series, has some of the most iconic lines. And she just gives us moments. And we, I, I can't take that from her. Why would I take that from her? <laughs> you can't take that from her, even though you might try. But listen, we all have our flaws. Um, <laughs> so this season specifically, Kim did make me kind of sad. I was just a little sad for Kim. You could tell that she's in a phase of her life where she just feels really lonely. Like I said earlier, similar to Taylor, mm -hmm. only a little different because Kim doesn't have a partner, but she is very codependent on her children. She has four children. And we see her kind of lean on them in that codependency a lot throughout the season, I would say. Yeah, totally. And I think also she admits early on, because she was a child star, she didn't have a lot of friends and she doesn't really know how to navigate social settings very well. Yeah. And you see that she really just goes into herself when women are like active and having fun and whatever. She doesn't really contribute. She kind of laughs along, but you can just see that like she's kind of sad and lonely. As Taylor said, you know, whether this is true or not, but when they were on that Vegas trip, she said, I can tell there was a wall there with Kim and I wasn't ready to climb it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she did say that so perfectly. And in terms with, of Kim and you know, her family and her children, she says, you know, my mom gave me amazing advice. Be careful not to make your whole life, your kids, Kimberly, because one day you'll end up all by yourself. And then she's like, she chose to make her life all about her kids. I chose to follow my mother's footsteps. It's a choice I made an interesting quote to me, mm -hmm. an interesting quote to me that her mom was telling her, her child, not to make her whole life her kids because that one day they're going to leave you and you're just going to be by yourself. I thought that was interesting. Why? Because it was just, you know, we've all heard rumors about Big Kathy. Oh, yes, we have. And devastated that she'll never be on the show, oh. quite frankly, because she sounds like a character. But it's just, inter it feels a little like you're kind of shaming some, like if I, if you were my child and I was saying to you, be careful not to make your whole life your kids, Kimmy, because one day you're just going to end up by yourself. <laughs> like, 
That feels a little like you're projecting a tiny bit of something. Just a tiny bit. It's stage mom. It sounds a little bit like emotionally manipulative in the way that a lot of moms can be of like, well, you don't treat me well, so I guess I'll just go and live in a home where you're just, you know, <laughs> that's very like, that was the vibe I got from that. Not really good advice. More like feel bad for me so that you can stay close with me. Like mom stuff, you know? Oh, I just thought it was interesting that Kyle in the midst of a fight with Kim about how clingy Kim is with her kids she says you just want your kids with you because you don't want to be by yourself yeah going off of what her mom said and it's like Kyle is just as clingy with her kids yeah it's like her kids are not at that point where they want to get out and move out and all of that so I did think she was overly harsh with her on that point with the kids it's tough you know the thing between Kyle and Kim is tough because there are moments and I love them both, so I can say this. But there are moments where Kyle is harsh. Kyle is harsh and kind of mean. That being said, I think there are things that precipitate that. Yeah. Which we are about to discuss. I don't think we see a lot of the things, except for what we're about to discuss, we really don't see a lot of the things that really get Kyle very angry with Kim. Kim is very good at hiding things. And because she didn't want to be an active participant with these other housewives, except like randomly attacking Taylor like a chihuahua, it was just very like, I don't really know where you're coming from. I don't know what you're doing personally for me as someone who isn't necessarily a Kim fan. I just nothing personal. I just don't think she belongs on the show or any show. But I felt okay. she did not, she's not a housewife. That's not true. She's not a reality star to me. That is deeply, no. like Alison Dubois, you're losing all credibility. Congratulations. <laughs> Keep it moving. <laughs> all credibility. She's I cannot not, stand for that. that yeah. Nope. Delete the account. I don't really. If you made the argument that like sometimes housewife isn't probably the best for her like mental health, you know? Yes. Sure. I hear that. But to say she's not a reality star, come on. I think she's proven that girl. I just don't think that she has. Interesting. We're going to have to agree to disagree. Like, I understand, like, you know, when people say now should Kim be on the show, I'm like, maybe as a friend of, because, or like, maybe she should pop in. I would like her to be a guest star for sure. Because I don't know that the full-time exposure is exactly the best thing for her. But I still, she's given, she's given the show a lot for me, for me. I think she should just go be happy with her kids, who she very clearly loves very much, and try to find happiness doing something else, because this show is not it. I feel like we just had our first, like moment we've had other moments you just... this one was real this one was really real i knew it was going to come down to the richard sisters <laughs> i knew it i knew it i love them i can't help it i like them both like there's nothing about either of them where i'm like i can't stand them it's just in the context of the show there are things that bump for me should we talk about the limo ride because i think i'm about to upset you more okay the limo ride it's all led to this the entire season. And we didn't even quite realize it. You know, it's like the main story really was Kyle and Camille and the Kyle and Kim stuff was happening and brewing. And then suddenly when this happened in the finale, it was like, oh. So as I was talking about earlier, Kim is in the limo and stuff has just gone down. She feels like everyone is against her. She's talking with Adrian and Martin, who Lisa tried to set her up with earlier in the season. And he's kind of been around, um, which is hysterical to me that he was witness to this li- iconic limo fight. Um, <laughs> and Kyle gets into the limo and you can just tell from the jump that Kyle is fuming. On one. She is fuming. And what I think happened, and this might not be any sort of like revelation, but like this is my little housewife's theory, is I've always felt that Kim, I'm not sure what Kim's sobriety was like throughout the season. I can't speak to that. But what I do think is, say she was sober throughout the season, or she was 
covering up her drinking issue throughout the season. Although she strikes me as someone who, when she's drinking, you know it. Yeah. So let's say she was sober throughout the season. I think her showing up at this party intoxicated and Kyle seeing that sent us to a different plane. Mm -hmm. I think what they were fighting about was not what they were fighting about. No, definitely. I think it was fully about Kim's sobriety and Kim maybe, I don't know if it's, again, I don't know, but it felt to me like a moment where Kyle was seeing Kim arriving at this party drunk and suddenly she realizes like, oh, we're back here again. Yep. I mean, they've alluded to her maybe being altered at other points in the season, but it's never been like how it was at this party. And you can just tell anyone who has a sister knows when you see something with your sister that has upset you, the entire night's gone. That's all you're thinking about. You're like, I have to hash this out with her right now. But you can't because it involves a lot of complicated things like Kim's sobriety. It's so complicated. And I understand, you know, the various points of it. So when... Kim is in the limo with Adrian. She's talking about how, you know, Adrian's trying to get through to her, saying you need to communicate with your sister. That's part of the issue. You, like you're, you can tell you're lonely and you're going through things. And Kim's like, I'm not lonely. I like being alone. A was sad. Yeah. It was very sad. Kim and Kim has been honest throughout the season about how like when they all went on the Vegas trip and everyone went back to their rooms with their husbands and Kim went back to her room and she was alone. Like that's a very genuine thing to be going through in your life, mm -hmm. especially when you've had children and you're in the next phase and you want someone to share it with. And Kyle gets into the limo and she immediately isn't having it. And Kim is kind, trying to sort of explain how she's feeling at Adrian's like request. And Kyle isn't really listening to it. She's being very defensive because you can tell, like we said, this is about something else. And Kyle just goes, unbelievable, unbelievable. And mom had to die worrying about you and stressing about you and leave this crap on my shoulders. I could throw up. I <laughs> literally... A pit in my, like my stomach kind of hurt. You can't come back from that. And you can't she, come back from that. She knew, like to Kyle's credit, the way she felt in the reunion, she knew. Yeah. She could never, ever, ever take back what she'd done. I think it was just decades of taking care of Kim. And maybe she was sick of looking like the bad guy with Camille. Maybe she was tired because of stuff that was going on with Maurizio. Maybe she just realized that she was looking extra mean and harsh with her sister and she was tired of it. And she just blew a gasket. She snapped. Yeah, she like snapped. The, they snappage. Snap. Snap. Adrian was even shocked. Adrian was aghast. Martin was staring blankly. Uh, but, um, Martin was disassociating. <laughs> you can only take so no, much. He's like, I need to go. Was Martin, by the way, Lisa Vanderpump's friend from prison? No, that was a separate thing. There was oh, a point. I thought that when, was a joke. No, okay. And I, okay. <laughs> here's the journey that I went on. For about six episodes, <laughs> Lisa goes, I really wanted to set you up with someone, Kim. Someone, but he's in prison. And then like a few episodes later, Lisa Vanderpump sets up Kim with Martin, who's like this nice, normal guy. And I'm like, are we just not going to talk about him getting out of prison? And then I realized it was probably a Lisa joke. And I'm just too American to have picked up on it. Sadly. I don't think that has anything to do with, <laughs> doing with being American, baby. <laughs> and I think it has everything to do with it. I'm just kidding. Um, God bless America. So anyway. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Kyle says this thing about the mom, which is a low blow, no matter like where, sure, you can be in the gutter, but that's even below gutter. Yeah. It was like, we're at the core of the earth right now. That's how low we are. And Kim then screams, you, you know, this is where I really wish we could have that limo fight, like uncut and just the raw footage, just so we could feel the pulsating tension and <laughs> God, I need more water. I bet, I bet you do. Because you could tell there was some more arguing, and then Kim screams, you stole my goddamn house. 
iconic moment this season, Allie. Would you look at that? Um, and then Kyle says, and then th- this sends Kyle. Like, Kyle, the fury with which she said, my husband has helped you every month and stood by you and taken care of you like you're a second freaking wife. So F you for talking like that. Like Venom. So you can tell it's like real bad. And then this is when Kim screams that she's a liar. And then Kyle lunges at her over top of Martin to sit beside Adrian. And she's like, you know, now catty cornered to Kim. And this is when she says it. This is when she says, you are a liar and sick and an alcoholic. Okay. You're an alcoholic. Yes, that's right. I've said it now. Everybody knows. And Kim Kim kind of laughs at first, like in a defensive way. You know what Kim says is you have to really listen to it. But Kim says, guess who drinks all damn day? You know, like I think trying to throw it back at her. And that's when Kyle like scream, like grovel screams quiet. And poor Adrian. (laughs) And Adrian is like. The truest sister in Christ in that moment. (laughs) I know. She's like, like, stop it. Stop putting her hands in between. Because like they're physically touching at this point. It's it's it was bad. It was really ugly. It was one of those moments where you're like, this is a reality show. Excellent television. Should the cameras have been there? No, this I always have a line with family stuff specifically. I have a very hard time with a lot of things in New Jersey. And I had a very hard time with this and the Richard Sitzers because these are things that not only affect the two of them, there are tons of kids between the two of them and the entire family dynamic and also potentially custody of their kids for both of them if there's an investigation into either of them that literally takes into account the safety of their children and calls into question their motherhood and that's to them as they've said the most important thing it was just nasty and like kyle said in the reunion i wish it never happened and this was something too that was a buried family secret like you know no one knew this production didn't even know about this i read this in uh not all diamonds and rosé dave quinn's book production learned that moment that kim was now clock i mean they had like they're like kim's a little off sometimes but no one knew what was actually happening until right then and it was just really tough and what's most sad to me is, you know, after Kyle leaves the limo and says, anything we ever helped you with, like, that's over now. And Kim's just kind of taking it. And Martin leaves. And Adrian leaves. And Kim, there's a shot of her in the back of the limo. You can tell the camera person has just put the camera down beside them. They aren't Mm -hmm. holding it anymore. And Kim's just crying. And she looks at the camera person and she goes, this is really bad. Devastating. I know, I have chills. What this does, though... You know, and this is the one thing that, you know, maybe to your point earlier about Kyle, that LVP never had for this show. And it's kind of what makes Kyle stand out in terms of this being her show is that this sets the foundation for story for seasons. Yeah. For seasons between Kyle and Kim. And to me, at the end of the day, Beverly Hills, a lot of the time, always comes back to the Richard sisters one way or another. Um, so this really set the stage for that. Mm-hmm. And we go on a journey. We go on a journey. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I'm grateful they let me in on it. I just love this show. I feel yeah. things. You love them. I do. I care about them. I just think the camera should have been down for some of it. Oh, my God. For Yeah. It, like I said, it's one of those things where you're like, mm, yeah. why is the camera here? Yeah. But it's a lot. in the reunion, we see that Kyle feels the weight of what she's done. And she feels horrible about it. Let's talk about the reunion. Let's talk about Those the are the reunion. ladies. We made it through, you know? Yes. Did you have any other points that stood out to you in the reunion? Uh, just 
just one. I thought it was interesting that Camille admitted to, or at least was exposed for, if you want to use that term, for being in a, quote, softcore porn after talking about Faye Resnick and criticizing her being nude. Uh, For the record, there's nothing wrong with both of those, but it was just, again, throwing stones from a glass house that just absolutely made Camille look like a dunce. And I think that it was quite clear by the end of the season that Camille needed to change. And I think that that was one of the moments where she was like, I'm really coming across in a bad way because maybe something's wrong with me. And the fans (laughs) and Andy let her know it. Yes. Um, Andy read out, you know, some of the things that the fans were saying and they were just brutal. And one magazine picked up an article saying that she's the most hated housewife ever. And I was like, not when Danielle Staub exists. Like, come on. I I mean, (laughs) I was like, that's a bit of a reach. I agree. Um, She was tough to deal with at times, but yeah, that's a bold headline. So that moment stood out to me. Uh, You know, of course, we got more Kyle and Camille. And one thing that I thought was intense was talking about whether Kyle's a bully or not. And Camille and like they're asking Kim and blah, blah, blah. And Camille looks at Kim and says, I've seen her bully you. And I was like, oh, Camille, get out of it. Get out of it. Get out of it. Like 10 foot pole. Couldn't touch it. Mm -mm -mm, I don't want it. And then Kim's just silent. And something that's interesting, too. And this is the thing I love about Housewives that things always tend to come back around. But it starts here of like Kyle and Kim refusing to talk about anything. <laughs> they're like, we will not be discussing that night. We will not be discussing any of the allegations of that there are issues, even though Taylor keeps trying to say across the couch that um, she wasn't in present mind that night. Uh, Taylor talk about also Taylor, Glass House. <laughs> I know. Um, but like they were just like, we're not talking about this. So I'm grateful that they both came back for season two because obviously we got more to the story. But they were just like, nah, Andrew, you can take those cards and put them somewhere. They could have given him a little bit. But I think that the reason that Kim probably let Kyle back in is because she said, I promise I will not talk about this in the reunion and probably owned up to a lot. There was just such a clarity and kindness with Kim that I loved in the reunion. And she was so forgiving to Kyle. I believe there was a lot of bad things behind the scenes where Kim was being very bad to Kyle. Kyle. And so I feel like the anger didn't come out of nowhere for Kyle, but to forgive her like that and to embrace her sister at the reunion after watching that clip, I mean, that was very big of her. And I love Kim when she's like that. And I remember reading somewhere, I don't know if this is true or I don't even remember where I read it or saw it, but at least now these days they get all the episodes before the reunion and they get to watch them. I had read that they had, didn't see the finale before watching this. Oh so gosh. when, and when you watch their faces watching the limo scene, you can kind of tell they're waiting. They're like, because they weren't like the Richard sisters had been asking Bravo to not air it and they weren't sure it was going to make final air. So they were watching and waiting for the alcoholic comment to drop. And then when it does, it's just like, boom. So I I think that maybe they didn't know for sure if it was going to make air or not until they saw it that day, which is Bravo. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Producing. They, they signed a release. They did. And Bravo was like, we're going to produce the show. Yeah. But yeah, so that's our season. That's our season. Wow. That was season one. What the hell is happening? Um, please uh, stick around when we do season two and it's a five hour episode. Um, <laughs> we're so cool, sorry. Cool, 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 cool. Let's talk about underrated moments. Oh. Okay. What are some of your favorite underrated moments? Okay, my first one, cheating like I normally do, is going to be a couple of them. Oh, here we go. But the theme of them is Lisa Vanderpump. Okay, 
I will give you a pass because of that. She's just so funny. And she said some of my favorite lines that just like cracked me up. Not, you know, being shagged through a hedge backwards. Although that one was great. That was so funny. <laughs> um, a couple of just one-liners that she had. I'll, I'll give two one-liners and then like a moment she has that I thought was funny. The first one, picture it. You're in Vegas with the girlies. I think they're in Vegas. Maybe they're in New York. I don't know. Picture it. You're on a girl's trip with the girlies. Um, the waiter brings out a huge bowl of cotton candy. <laughs> to which Taylor goes to town. And Lisa says in her confessional, Taylor was playing with that cotton candy. She was kind of licking it and chewing it, <laughs> doing things I had only read about in books. <laughs> So funny. So perfect. Another Lisa moment that I think is hilarious is when she and Ken go to a wine tasting. And she says, the thing is, with wine tasting, is you don't swallow, you spit. It kind of goes against everything that I've ever been taught, really. <laughs> She's so funny. I mean, we also, I think, would be remiss not to say one of her, I feel like probably her more iconic lines, because it's when we first meet her, whenever she's like, my husband calls me a sex object, because whenever he asks for sex, I object. I and then object. She, <laughs> she's so funny. But then the moment is between her and Cedric, and it's when they're getting ready to go to Villa Blanca early in the morning, and Lisa's like, tea, darling. And Cedric's like, yes, please. And she's like, sugar. And he's like, yes, three sugars. The look of shock that she <laughs> gives him and says, three sugars? You're not having three. That's ridiculous. If this woman can only see how many sugars I put in my coffee. <laughs> Never tell her. Lie she, to her face. She would have kicked me out that day. <laughs> <laughs> Lie to her face. <laughs> Lisa. What about you? Um, mine is kind of a uh, sadder one, but it was one of my favorite Kyle and Taylor moments. And it was from the white party when Taylor and Kyle go upstairs while Kyle is putting Portia to bed. And Taylor is just absolutely biking down, trying to explain without saying the words like, I don't want to go home to my husband or I just want to have fun. And Kyle grabs Taylor's hand and she says to her, sometimes just girls is better. And they just hold hands. And there's this unspoken moment of like, I know you don't want to go home to your husband. I know you feel like you should go home to your husband. Just sit here with me and Portia and let's just have a girl moment. And it's just, it's so unspoken. And like, you can't really describe the moment. I just struggled describing it. But it's just one of those things that's like true friendship on Beverly Hills. It does happen. You know, unlike a lot of the other franchises, you can tell a lot of these girls are truly friends. So I liked that moment because of that. I love that. My next one is Kim. And it's in the first episode when we're really first meeting Kim and she's talking about Paris and how Paris was someone who kind of went out and made a name for herself and how she and Paris were at dinner at a restaurant. And it's really just the way Kim tells this story. She talks about walking out and the paparazzi taking their pictures and they go, Kim, Kim, Paris, Paris. And Kim says, and Paris looked, looked over at me and was like, who are you? And the paparazzi are like, Paris, don't you forget? Your aunt was here first. And Kim was like, oh yeah, honey, step aside. I was here first. <laughs> And like, don't you forget, Paris, your aunt's an icon. And Paris was like, well, I'm an icon too. And then the paparazzi was like, yeah, but your aunt, she was an icon first. And it was just like really cute to see her tell that story. Also, she looks so good in that pink. She it, did. Yeah. That will be in the top eight of my confessional looks this season. I love that. We'll see where it places though. My favorite Kim look was her little va-va-voom leopard dress when she first met Martin. Oh, she looked She looked right. so good. Uh, she looked so she good. She said, honey, I'm stepping on the scene. Let yes. me see if I can snatch a man. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is a Paul and Adrian one, no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really can't tell you about the fight that they had because they had so many and it's really hard to differentiate. But uh, they're sitting, I think, in Paul's office going back and forth, going back and forth. And then Paul says, can I just say one thing on my behalf? Three beats. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, you two should not be married. You should not be married. Oh, my gosh. Also, it's just so funny. And I don't think we talked about this, but like the archetype of which we will see again and again of a housewife being married to a plastic surgeon. Yes. <laughs> that was never go well, That was really it? fun to see. Um, my next one uh, is just a tiny moment. Also at a group dinner um, where Camille is greeted by handsome Nick. He comes oh and he, he get we didn't even talk about handsome Nick, honey. Oh. Handsome Nick. He comes and he gives her a hug and Mauricio goes, Hi, are you Kelsey? <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, also, not Camille kissing this man on the lips. I mean, can you blame her? No. But I was like, Camille, she is so Camille. specifically who she is. And then in the reunion, she was like, his wife was in half of the shots. Which it's she like, was. That doesn't which... make it any better. So you're swingers is what you're saying. Is that what you're saying? I was like, note behind the note. Um, What's your next one? My next one is another Paul and Adrian one. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't mention them again. Because I just talked about them, but this was the celebration over a fair graduating college. Kyle is crying. She's given this speech. Cam is given this beautiful speech. It's a very emotional time. And we pan over to Mauricio's mom, who is a sex and love therapist. And Adrian and Paul are literally so eagerly trying to get advice from her. They're like, how do you make it work? How do you make it last? <laughs> We've been in it for eight years, but it's work. It's hard work. And I just was like... They literally want someone to say, you guys should just get divorced. It's I, like, that's the vibe. I was like, can we get out of the scene any quicker? <laughs> I was just like, it's so funny to me. I don't know why. It's just endlessly no, funny. I can, I can see. I can see why it would be funny. Um, okay. So I have two more. One is cheating again, but whatever. Uh, my next one is seeing uh, Miss Linda Thompson. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Who will play in weirdly later, just kind of, you know, with some Taylor feelings and other people who arrive. Um, but this line, so out of pocket, y'all. We know this. But did I kind of crack up because of the way it was delivered? Sure did. Um when Linda and Taylor are talking and they're talking about kids and Kennedy and whether their children are going to grow up, you know, too privileged or will they be grateful for things, blah, 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 blah. Um, Linda says, or sorry, Taylor says she can't even fathom what it's like to not have food, to which Linda leans in and says, take her to Africa. What? <laughs> Why was that your first response? I think it was the lean in for me. Yes. And it, like, I can just picture being there and her just being like, take her to, like, it was... So classically what I feel like these women. <laughs> They're acting like the reason these kids will be snobby is because it's something that they do themselves. You guys are the parents. They don't have to be that way. It was too much. It was too much. Um, okay. My last one is um, Camille themed. And it's just one line and one moment that she had. It's just kind of Camille's, you know, out of touchness um, when she's talking and she's like, God, this is going to sound so obnoxious. Kelsey and I have been flying private for years until recently. Now we're taking more commercial. So, you know, we try to be green. <laughs> she was being funny, which she I was, loved. That was so funny. I cracked up. I was like, where was that Camille? I wanted to see more of that. And my last thing is my last Camille thing is just the visual after she and Kyle have been fighting of her reading allegedly the art of war camp pure yeah. 
camp. She's like, where do you want me? No problem. <laughs> Here, is this a good shot? Oh my gosh, so good. Okay. So good. Let's move into awards. Let's do it. Okay. These were so clear to me. They were pretty clear. Yeah. Should we say them at the same time? Oh my God, now I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. Who was your center diamond? Kyle. Kyle. Clearly. I mean, it story was, driver it was, on all fronts. It was very correct. Um, who was your people's princess? Kim. Lisa. <gasps> what? But I forgot that's your favorite. That's not just like who the people. No, 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 no. Oh. no. Wait, I, you got to talk about the kid. Kim? Yeah. After all that fighting and fussing we just did. I Wait, I'm so curious. I, of course, I loved Lisa so much. Mm-hmm. I just think that Kim was, if we're talking about a people's princess, people might see themselves in her at home on screen. I think that you saw yourself in Kim a lot and just throwing yourself into your kids. I love this. <laughs> I feel a little vindicated, even though I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. I stand by everything I I said, but that's the truth for me. Layers. Layers. She has layers as she eats her Five Guys Fry. Mm -hmm. And I live for it. Can you hear my chewing? I'm so sorry. No. Oh, that's upsetting. You know I love Cajun. I know, but my fingers smell like Cajun (laughs) seasoning for six days. I can't take it. Some of us are built for it. Some of us aren't, I guess. (laughs) Um, Mine was Lisa. And you know, People's Princess, I usually pick my fave. But I didn't necessarily in this case. Because to me, Lisa did feel kind of like the one you could always go back to for a laugh the one you know and our eyes into like the uber wealth and i felt like she was kind of the people's princess of the season my personal fave would be kyle but kyle didn't feel like a people's princess no you know so it was lisa it's for sure kim or lisa in my mind and in a lot of ways lisa was one of my faves this season too which is like a welcome thing that i wasn't expecting so nice um okay villain Camille, Camille donatachi oh my god grammar perfect villain name (laughs) it was incredible love it Okay, Allison. Picture it. <laughs> what is it going to be? You're in your office. Ooh, I have you an office. You are starving because you had to work through lunch. Mm, that has never happened to me. And the PA is... so oh, sorry. She's triggered. Brittany Jean, Brittany Jean. <laughs> <laughs> or yours would be Emily Gilmore, Emily Gilmore. Um, <laughs> union, union, union. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you are waiting for your lunch. The PA is quite literally sprinting down the hall. I hope he's wearing Nikes. He oh interesting. Um, <laughs> sorry, I I genuinely was shocked by he. Uh, um, running down the hall, they have headshots tucked under their armpit, and in their hand is your lunch. They sprint in. Your door's cracked open. They let themselves in. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> and they suddenly trip. And they fall. The food flings into your lap. No. Not only are you now covered in Five Guys Cajun fries. But you're pissed because they're Cajun. And now your office, you're not getting rid of that smell for months. No, my old Navy candy is ruined forever. (laughs) You look at them. They look at you. They (laughs) simply stand to their feet, tell you they'll go get you more food, (laughs) and hand you the headshots of the ladies. Time to play hired or tired. First, who are you bringing back for season two? Taylor, hired. Hired. Lisa, Hired. hired. I have a feeling this is Adrian hired. hired. Why? Uh, I don't know. But I listen. A sophomore season. Yes. She does have a gravitas to her. So I'd be curious, I guess. She's on the cusp. She has a power over the women that we would like to see more of or I guess have it explained in season two. Yeah. We're throwing her a bone. Yes. Kim. Tired. Tired. 
that's yeah really i don't want to i can't see more kim if this was my season one for real wow i mean didn't you hear me my whole thing yeah before? but i just wow i contain multitudes yeah and okay. five guys fries interesting <laughs> um that i just find that interesting because I don't know there's just so many places to go. Like obviously I would hire them because I'm interested in their story and that's like a personal thing. But I, I am genuinely surprised that you would I I'm surprised. It's a hard line for me when there's like an addiction thing. And I know I am not acting like Kim Richards is the first housewife or only housewife at the time who was dealing with addiction or struggling with Money sobriety or whatever. No. Correct. I'm not at all acting like that, but she just seemed to be at a point where she needed time away from the camera would you bring her back as a friend oh for sure okay. i would want to see her again i don't i genuinely don't think you're she like should we be need a, a season house. off yeah i think she needs to take care of herself and her family and um heal her relationship with kyle i don't think she should be full-time kyle hired, hired for sure camille hired. hired oh and there you have it what a season what a season okay y'all this is our season one finale of housewives theory <laughs> We finally made it. 15 episodes deep. Um, If you have remained on the journey, we appreciate you. We adore you. We love you. Please follow us on Twitter, uh, HW Theory, or on Instagram, or both, at Housewives Theory. And stay on the lookout in the coming months for season two. Well, when we come back, we'll be starting with Real Housewives of Miami season one. Oh my, it's a doozy. And we're really looking forward to hearing from you guys. And thank you for all your love and support. We appreciate y'all. We see you and we love you. These lips were made for podcasting. And, and that's, that's just, just what, what they'll, they'll do. do. Bye. Bye.